I just found out that they redid Quantum Leap, and I can't believe that. What do you mean they? You just found uh, out they redid yes. Quantum Leap? Yes. Well, I don't. I don't watch normal TV. I don't get. I don't read TV Guide or whatever the fuck or any of those. But types if you of, listen to a podcast, if, yeah, if you listen to the listen, Geek Shop, yeah. they greenlit it a couple of months ago. We, we, yeah. We've actually <laughs> did talked I, did about I green light it. it. Did I greenlight it? I'm pretty sure you did. I don't no, recall no. whether you did or didn't, but I know that we've talked about it at least five times. And this is coming from somebody that doesn't usually remember <laughs> shit that we talk about five minutes after we're done recording. Are you me? Am I looking at me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that, Why that, does it bother you? <laughs> Because just leave the old shows alone. Let them be their own thing. Come up with something different. I mean, it's, you, it's a pseudo sequel. I except Babylon Five. <laughs> you don't want more Quantum Leap. Listen, you got Scott Bakula and uh, what's his name there. Um, so you're saying Quantum Leap is only Scott Bakula and the other guy and the other guy. He's dead. He's, yeah, no, he's yeah. dead. Um, what's his name? The Cylon guy. Yeah, the Cylon guy. Oh, I'll work the, with it. Dean, the actor that played Dean Al Ma- Dean Stockwell. Yeah, Stockwell. No, Dean Martin. Dean Martin. Yes. That was, uh, <laughs> Say, Dean uh, Stockwell. Sam, uh, I think you got to <laughs> get something going on here so you can leave. <laughs> Ziggy says, yikes. Five <laughs> <laughs> martini mark portrayal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I, 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 just I like the... I'm glad... Of all the shows, I think that's the one they could... Do very well without those. Didn't we have a rule here on Geek Shock? Redo (laughs) something that's awful instead of something that's good? Uh, It's something that we'd prefer they would revisit as a potential, but... Come on! If they own the property and they're gonna, they think they can make money on it. They're gonna try. Yeah, NBC yeah. Universal is gonna do what they're gonna do. They're, Everybody's they're, gonna do what they're gonna do. Oh, or is it Com- Comcast, NBC Universal, yeah. however you want to call it? <laughs> People, but they shouldn't. Dude, the line must be drawn. Yeah, dude. But no dude, fun. Hollywood, it's 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 the investment. They want something that's already out there in the public consciousness. It's a, it's considered you know? a bankable idea. Yeah, you know there. Everybody sits there. Hollywood bring in your idea. Hollywood. Bring. They didn't run out of anything. They just they just want to put the money on something yeah. that is already known. Low. It's a lower risk a, investment. A safe mm-hmm. place to put that money. Absolutely. They, and and uh, yeah. that that thing that I shared with people uh, a couple months ago that nobody obviously watched where uh, Stellan Skarsgård was talking about everybody wanting their 10% back, their investment and getting their 10% back. And he was talking about how that affected things. And it really is. It's part of the economy of Hollywood. Yeah. It's, uh, so, any, I mean, I, I mean, and you're talking. Yeah. You're talking millions upon millions, even yeah. for the little things. Even for the little things, you're talking to be under... 200 i think it's 200 or 250,000 uh budget in in the way the unions define it, the sag micro budget yeah. micro that's con- yeah that is considered micro micro that's not mini that's not low a low budget film is anywhere in the 20 to 30 million range exactly right now. and yeah. and and micro it's just like it's millions of dollars that's a whole lot of beverly hills dentists <laughs> Dropping their dough, <laughs> it, and it, so. it really is fascinating because it's 
media production of any type is considered a very high risk industry. So sure. they've just and completely most of, shifted. Most of it is. Yeah. Most of it is a loss. Yeah. Um, you got an. Uh, you what got, is it like fifty to fifty? I think it's like fifty to sixty percent of everything produced. Uh, for television or film right now is considered a uh, a failure because of right. the way that, that the return on investment. I mean, now, granted, they, Hollywood and their creative they accounting... Do, they do they, creative accounting, they, yeah. But they do still, okay, but, you, you know... You need temple. It's yeah. just like, it's it's even worse in the fiction industry. Yeah. There, are like, there are like a half dozen authors who will support an entire big publishing house. Yep. Everyone else is a... Oh, that's a... Yeah, that's an upcoming uh, thing we, we should keep our eyes on, uh, Todd. You'd be interested in that. I've been hearing rumors. There's Todd, this... Before we hit this rumor. Oh, shit. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock, number 657. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And Matt. And we're talking Weekend Geek. Go ahead. And... <laughs> oh, 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 man. I know, he took the end. I love he it. He heard uh, a rumor. <laughs> um, there's this company, the big conglomerate called Astra, I believe, that has purchased DAW books. Really? And uh, um, I think it was after the Hugos, lots of uh, behind-the-scenes talking, uh, apparently DAW is going to be doing cutbacks and letting go of authors. And we're not talking about, like, it, the rumor was that not all of them are like little authors, like Stephen King. Like it's it's like not quite Stephen like King, no. but it is like people with a ninety percent sell through and stuff like that. These are really? authors that you would not expect to hear. No names were mentioned, but it's like keep your ears open on the publishing industry and Astra acquiring Daw, the old Donald A. Walheim books. So something, uh, well, something it, is afoot. If an author is selling through 90%, they'll get picked up by another publishing house. Well, that, that's the interesting thing. It's like, what's going on that they would be letting people go? Because you're essentially just giving. You're, yeah. you're giving a successful author away then. That so is a good question. It, it's, it's really bizarre. It was a very bizarre rumor. But then where, I, where the person said it, another person chimed in and said, I've heard the same thing. And the first person was like, I wonder if you talked to the same people I did. And apparently they PM'd because somebody came back and said, nah, we, we didn't talk to the same people. So it's like a variety of people are hush, hush, murmur, murmur. This, uh, this so, rumor. It's solidly in the rumor department. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Total, total, and total inside baseball. This is total people inside the industry just talking. But it's, uh, it's a very interesting rumor. Because, you know, I mean, you look at that, you look at uh, our our pet gripe, Warner Discovery, it's just like, yeah. what in the hell are all these people doing? I mean, we were just talking about it, Matt, and it's like, it seems there's a ridiculous amount of fear. I, I don't get it. Understandably so. It's, it's, that, that fear is well-founded. So, I don't know. It's like they know something's coming. Just well, in the media industry, not like something. a not like a recession or anything. <laughs> An artificial just, recession, just something, yeah, yeah, you know, just something. You know. Well, there was there was, and then another one that was really fun was uh, my YouTube feed because I go to a couple of really off the rails alternative, not political, you know, reactionary alternative, but like foreign alternative uh, channels and stuff for news. My YouTube feed exploded with President Xi Jinping being arrested and put under house arrest in China and everything. 
and it was just crazy. Like India, especially <clears throat> India. Are you going on QAnon things? No, 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 no. <laughs> but India exploded with all of this, with all of this stuff. And I'm like, where? And so I'm looking everywhere to find one place that is the least bit reputable. Yeah, legitimate. Yeah, and and, 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 and and nobody, not even not even the the right wing wacko crowd over here was touching it. And it. The only part of that I saw addressed was the uh, the supposed uh, no fly over China. Right, that was and the part FAA of it. chimed right in and said no flights over China are going as scheduled, and they right. showed a real time map of all the flights. Yeah. Well, there over, there so. was when he was returning from the the Central Asian whatever he was at, there were some canceled flights. But China does that yeah. every time there's a COVID uptick. I mean, their right. lockdown procedures would have our right wingers positively. In revolt, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, it was speculated that he was just in quarantine because that's China's policy. Everybody, including him, goes into quarantine when they leave the country and then come back. And eventually, that's where people yeah, smart. people started saying that's that's really because it was just like flights have been canceled and people are showing videos on Twitter of. Uh, uh, armored personnel car- carriers going down the street. The PLA is on the move. Uh, <laughs> has the military locked down Beijing? What's going on? And then there was some Western journalist who's uh, who lives in China. And so he's like, yeah, I went out and, oh, I saw all these PLA guys dressed like tourists. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were totally undercover as tourists. I mean, he oh was just God. taking the piss out of it because it was just... But it was really funny because for, for a couple hours there, I was like, had something happened, but could not find That's, any anywhere yeah. that well, was willing to, to touch Welcome it. to my weekly search for geek news. <laughs> <laughs> it was Exaggerated funny. importance. Yeah. If, if my search ends up going to giant freaking robot, I just give it up. Oh, my oh God. God. Yeah, I, I hate that site so Bounding much. Bounding like, into no, China. No news this week. All right. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Russia covered. Yeah. Man, all those <laughs> trash sites. We had another one of those on the, this uh, Discord I'm a part of, too, is people were just, somebody cited, um, uh, I think it was Bounding into Comics about something. Oh. And, and it was funny, because it was, it was one of those pop eating the popcorn memes, because I just saw one person after another, yeah, no, don't try, yeah, no, no, here's the list of the ones you just don't, and they're just listening, <laughs> don't trust, don't trust, yep. come on, come on. So, yeah. oh, that, that list is in my back pocket every week. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's crazy how many people just will, will joyfully buy into that. Though. Oh, yeah. I did my own research. Where'd you go? My Discord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 really. <laughs> so, welcome, listeners. Welcome, Kofi members. Welcome, Shock Monkeys, all to this week's Geek Shock. Uh, the Geek Shock Book Club is continuing Wanderers by Chuck Wendig, but we're also nominating October's book. And as I insist every year, October's book must be a horror novel. So if you have one to suggest, go ahead and put it in our Facebook page for the Geek Shock Book Club. Do and it. For, uh, from there, I want to know what geeky things did you do this week, gentlemen? We'll start with you, Matt. Crickets. Ah, crickets. Come you on, you Matt. fucked crickets. No, I did not oh, okay. fuck crickets. Okay. I don't know what you did this week, but I did not do that. Okay. Um, let's see. What did I do? I heard there was a big thing on Saturday that you were at. Oh, you mean staying over uh, Lords of Waterdeep and not playing? 
Wait, oh. wait, 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 wait. Oh, you didn't okay, play? Okay, okay, okay. So, so there was a game night that some of us were involved in. I, yes. I wasn't able to go. I was working. Me too. Uh, but Kay was there. Matt yes. was there. Yes. Kay, you played the game. Yes. Why, did, why didn't you and, play Matt? And friend of the podcast, Bleeg. Bleeg. Uh, A.K.A. Ta- yes. Todd Agnello, game pro. The other Todd. <laughs> yes. Well, Lord, it's Waterdeep. Matt didn't play because he had a prior commitment. A prior commitment? Yeah, he is his you know, busy swinging social life. So he got to the game night late. What did I do? Oh, that's right. I went out for dinner with uh, um, one of another couple that uh, Paulette knows from her work. So there you go. It was like a, a couple. It was a work. No, from work thing. It was a work thing. Talk about basic. <laughs> oh, it's wow. Okay, you got to get in the lingo. That's swinger lingo. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. Well, that explains that big gold medallion he was wearing. <laughs> uh, it's, okay, it's so an upside down pineapple. That's the, <laughs> I believe that is the signal for uh, you're ready to mingle. Maybe. Oh I don't know. God. All right. So after your stinky, sweaty group sex, you went to the game night. Yes. Arrived at 10 o'clock. They were all drunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Wait, was Barry there? Yes, Barry yep. was there. I know. I got drunken text from him all night. Yeah. <laughs> we did the uh, we did the repurposed wheel, wheel of fun. The, wheel of pain. Yeah. The 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 wheel we used at the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con. Yeah. Yes. Was turned into a wheel of cocktails. Yeah, because that's what happens when Barry is custodian of yes. the uh, con stuff in between cons. And Barry has way too much time on his hands. He did. He actually totally and completely printed up yes. new slots that were all drink-themed. Sure. Aviation, Manhattan, mm-hmm. a lot of classic cocktails. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that Dark and stormy. Sense. That makes sense why he's not here tonight. <laughs> that was so. like three days ago. Yeah, really. exactly. He's had time to recover. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm here. Well, he spins the wheel constantly every day. Yeah, so. Well, there yeah. is that. But yeah, so... Uh, we we finished up the game and then did a did ticket, a ticket to ride. It is only to two to five. Okay, or two to four. Two to five. Two to yeah. Two to five. So I was the sixth person, so I couldn't play. Well, you ended up playing. What are you talking about? Yeah, halfway through because uh, Todd in question. I don't know what is it with you, Todds, in your gaming what? shenanigans. What shenanigans? But he was like. He didn't know how to play, so he's connecting. You play Ticket to Ride. Everyone out there has played Ticket to Ride. You know the the uh, premise of the game is to complete like routes from like L.A. to New York or Train El routes. Paso. Yeah, <clears throat> they call them tickets. So he had like tickets all over the place. You get minus for how many tickets you have at the end of the game. I believe he had like twenty. Yeah, I that he think complete. From what I heard, the rumor has it he missed the part that a ticket has to be completed by you. Yes. For it to count for points for So he you. was like, oh, thank you. Barry just completed this, this yeah. uh, El, route El Paso me, to Houston. Yes. So this El Paso to Houston card will be perfect. And yes. <laughs> so, and I, I, so I sit down. He's, he's leaving in his Uber. Before he leaves, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That Bar- was, Barry yeah. was so drunk that night, he mistook his Todd's on the text. All right. Because at... Like one and one thirty in the morning, I received this text again. I was not at the game. Right. All right. I, I was getting off work around this time, and he wrote to me, "You were negative fifteen in ticket to ride. None of us thought that was possible. You're some some of fuck tarted savant." That's what he wrote <laughs> to me. <coughs> Obviously, 
thinking well, I was the other top. I was wondering why he didn't respond. That, <laughs> was that explains funny. it. That yeah, because he announced it. that he announced that uh, text when he sent it to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, who's the fuck tart now? <laughs> yeah, Flarg. yeah, that's right. Get your Todd's right, Flarg. Although I, I, I was sad because I was sent a picture of Lords of Waterdeep being played, and I, I was strongly jealous. Yes, at that I, moment. I gave you an Andy there. You really so. did. I, I, I cried a little. Yeah. So, as I mixed another drink. Yeah. I still haven't mastered the game enough that I can win against uh, Barry or Lewis, though. So I'm trying, but not quite there. But that's what I did. I have faith in you, Kay. That's what I did. That's what he did. That's all he did. Jeff, what'd that's you right. do? Um, I went and saw a movie last week. Uh, I went and saw Confess Fletch. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a new movie. Uh based on the Gregory McDonald book of the same name. The Chevy Chase versions were not, I guess, as close to the type of no. the personality type of Fletch in the books. No. Uh, and, and then, of course, all the events around it. But um, from what I've been able to gather, both from what little I do remember about those books and uh, uh, what I've watched on some of the comparison videos on YouTube, this is a much more faithful... Uh, reproduction. It stars John Hamm as Erwin Fletcher, aka Fletch. But you also have uh, this is actually considered a low budget film. This was a, a film that um, he helped produce. Uh, he's a producer on the film. In fact, mm. there was a story that just popped up earlier today that uh, he forewent sixty percent of his salary to get the three additional f- days of filming that they needed because none of the film finance companies would back them for three days of filming. Mm-hmm. That was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like $650,000 is all they needed, but nobody would pick up that tab. But anyway, uh, so uh, I mentioned John Hamm. Uh, Marsha Gay Harden is in this. Uh, Kyle MacLachlan. And, of course, I, I love just about everything Kyle MacLachlan's in. He, just, he, he, he really owns those characters. Even Bob Picardo, who played the Doctor on Voyager, he makes an appearance in this. So it's a fun film. It's, it's, it's more mystery than comedy, but it is considered a comedy mystery and drama because there is a murder involved, and you know, uh, Fletch is is con- the the police are convinced that Fletch is the one that committed this murder, even though he reports the body and he is more no, than helpful to the I police and know. everything. And eighty <laughs> percent of the yep. time in a murder, the person who reports the <laughs> he who smelt it dealt it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. Uh, it's Would you not, say it's like a it's a it's a mycom mystery comedy? Yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've coined a new term now. Yes, I'm trying. I'm thinking like com street. No, that doesn't work. What? Because I always com. hated when they do the dramedy things. Like it's like okay, yeah, mycom. We need something a little more flash though. Mycom yeah. sounds like a startup in Silicon Valley. <laughs> All right, that's I'm, what I was thinking. I'm like trying. Well, to... Well, uh, a uh, mymedy. There we go. Miss Dramedy. Miss Dramedy. Mystery drama comedy. That's good. I like Miss Dramedy also because eventually when Geek Shock does its version of Alien, right? it, it can be on the uh, the, the freighter Miss Dramedy. I love Miss Dramedy. I, I will say this. It's not a laugh out loud the, at least the comedy on it. <laughs> Not but it was the Chevy it, Chase ones. <laughs> that, that too, actually, um, I, it's funny. Uh, last year, well, actually, it was during the lockdown, I watched Fletch again for the first time in probably more than a decade. 
and oh my god, it's so cringy now. Like just everything he does is so cringy. What what um, what happened? Because I, I wasn't there a time when everyone's like, oh Fletch, yeah, those were yeah. some of his best. And yeah, he is just the absolutely. He yeah. was Fletch, it's, and Fletch was him. And it was one of the things of its time. But let's not kid ourselves about him being Fletch and Fletch being him. Chevy Chase has one character, and that's Chevy Chase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's, yeah, it's a fun character to watch. Sure, but it's cringy, especially yeah. if you think about being on the other side of that. Um, but no, uh, I think John Hamm's version is actually a bit more charming, for sure. Even though he does, you know, have that whole what's the uh, the character direction where you say you you know whether you are or aren't, you always pretend like you're the smartest person in the room, kind of thing. Oh, we call uh, it being a Jeff. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that was a Barry. <laughs> Wow. Well, now you know what it's like at this table. Yes. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I played the dumbest person in the room. and He typically is the most <laughs> the smartest person in the room in this film, but there's a couple of times... Power through it, gotten, Jeff. Just power through it. Got things over on him, and you're like, he's like, he's like oh, I'm so stupid. Yeah, um, but that but, yeah. John Hamm charm. Right, exactly. That, uh, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. Uh, it's, it's a fun little film. It's one of the few times where... I've gotten most of the, you know, fig- mystery figured out towards the end, but not all of it. Uh, there were a few things that they got over, and I was like, ah, I like when that when I'm surprised. Wow, it's happened so, more and more. Holy crap! It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of freaking me I out. don't think maybe it's just the choice of things that I go to see. Uh, They're a little yeah, bit more intelligent. I, I'm Clerks Three, and now look at this. I guy, wasn't. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I, I'd love to give <laughs> Hollywood props, but I don't think yeah. it's Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think I think Jeff's just it's beginning. <laughs> Poor Andy, the, the he's going to get here time. back in time, just end up taking care of Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I think everybody should go see it. Uh, it's it's very limited release right now, so um, it may not be available in your area. I believe it's going to be coming to streaming very soon. Uh, but I think it's streaming on demand as opposed to just on one of the platforms. So I don't know. Man. Keep your eye out. I, I don't. Even if, if it's here in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. I still won't go see it. I have just no desire to go to the movie theater. Movie theaters anymore. None well, I mean, whatsoever. I, when I go, I still go to Galaxy. In fact, <laughs> that particular screening was the first time this happened in a while. I told you guys that typically when I go, that I'm you know one of two people or maybe three people in the entire theater. I was the only person in the theater that Ooh, night. Ooh. I literally had the whole theater. Imagine. A Jeff so. special. And it was... Fletch and had the cash well, used it's, to? It's, it's funny because it was the Galaxy Green Valley. I haven't gone to that one oh, in yeah. a while. Oh. But it was all the way in that very back corner, yeah. which you guys have been there. It's like there's, yeah. there's a few theaters. It's a good-sized screen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it wasn't... But the theater has 12 seats. No, no, no. This one actually had um, a decent number of seats, 18. but it was all tucked away all the way it, in this It was back part corner. of an expansion. Yeah, yeah. the, the expansion it, they did. So. It, it, poor bastards. They expanded just before, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, is... Uh, I just want to step in real quick before yeah. you start the next thing. Uh, if, if you haven't read the Fletch novels, highly recommended. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed the Chevy Chase movie or even this one, I haven't seen it, but based on the reviews I've seen, it's pretty darn faithful. Uh, they are really good mystery novels of a very witty journalist, and it makes for really, really entertaining reading. So I highly recommend them if you haven't tried them. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. I was going to say, how was it? There's six novels? Let me see That's here. more than that. Fletch's Fortune, Fletch and... Uh, 
Fletch's Moxie, yeah. Fletch and the Widow Bradley. I mean, yeah, they, there's, the, the a, there's only one, at least the only one eight. That I've read that wasn't all the gate was uh, Karaoke Fletch. That was that was not so hot. Is that wow. a real one? It's a real one, man. Okay, because I'm like looking and it didn't come across. <laughs> I know. That. I it's like, me. I get it. Um, the other thing is I, I, I watched the first three episodes of Andor, and I got to say I really like that. It feels very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still feels Star Wars, but thematically it feels very different from everything else we've seen so far. It felt more adult-centric, I guess is the best way to put it. It didn't feel like they're trying to please all ages like they do with, say, Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett, etc. This one felt definitely aimed towards, uh, you know, people our age, you know, people that have uh, have followed Star Wars. But it's, it's a little bit darker feel to it, a little bit grittier feel. You know, without giving it away, there's there's a couple scenes in there where you see him basically do what he has to do with a certain amount of regret as he's doing it, but he knows there's no other alternative. Um, and then there's implied sex, which is a, one of, a very first for Star Wars, an implied sex scene, um, because that was that was a Lucas thing. Was like you know, make everything kid friendly. You know, so no sex, no swearing, no, no bras in space. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like where it's going. And apparently um, I was mentioned in this uh, in this first episode. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I hate to bring it back around to Star Trek The Experience, but uh, have a drink, folks. Wait, wait, how the hell were you mentioned wait, in wait, wait, Andor? Did, did somebody like mention I'm, Darren's friend? Is that what happened? No. <laughs> My nickname at Star Trek The Experience was Chief. And uh, a friend of mine texts me like right afterwards. Oh my God, and he Jeff. says, uh, <laughs> congratulations on your Star Wars debut. And I said, what? So I had to go back and watch it. In, in episode one, uh, there's a, a character that comes out and says... There's a Watabi run coming up. Jeef wants to know if we're in on it. Oh well, shit. And that's Jeff. the line. Right. And I, I, I missed it the first listen through, or the first watch through. <laughs> so I had to go back and watch it. And I, and they, they, they stole my name. God oh damn yeah, it. really? They, they stole your name, did they? Yeah, it's my name. Jeef, oh, like, Christ, superstar. Yeah. Just, just like She Hulk got her name back, I got. I have to, I have to make I think, my name back. So I'm gonna tattoo Jeef on my shoulder. But. Uh, yeah. Right I'm, over a lightsaber. Anyway. <laughs> so apparently I'm 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 called out in this episode. Wow. We never knew. I I didn't either. We, don't, right? we so never realized the it. circles you moved in, Jeff. I guess so. <laughs> That's all I got. Wow. Yeah. Disney Plus. Andor. Watch it. I, I plan to. Right, I'm gonna look you for the Jeef though. Yeah. Gotta, now I gotta gotta see the Jeef. Yeah. Well, you don't see him. You hear about you just, yeah. him. Oh, that's true. Oh, well, then what's the... I want to see the Jeep. Somebody name drops me. Well, yeah. I mean, that's how it works with Jeep. Oh, yep. oh that's true. You know? You meet Darren. Yeah, yeah Jeep. Yeah, they don't meet yeah. Jeep. That's a good point. They just talk about him. Yeah. In exactly. passing. Darren. They'll be... That'll be... Who's that guy that Darren used to work with? Yeah. <laughs> that'll be the guy who shows up on screen. Be this little round guy named Darren. Who's... <laughs> right. Oh, I know, Jack. No, I no. know, Jeef. I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan is the director, uh, writer, uh, behind The Haunting of Hill House for the mm-hmm. Netflix series, Haunting of Bly Manor, Dr. Sleep, the movie. 
Um, I missed last year's Flanagan joint. Uh, the upcoming one is the, the Midnight Club, based on the Christopher Pike novel. I believe that starts like the second week of October. But last year, he released uh, a miniseries called Midnight Mass and finally got to see it. I binged it all in a couple of days, me and my wife. And damn, is that good. Like, really good. Mm. It's, I know that Hulu a while back released uh, Castle Rock, the series, the homage to Stephen King. And I started it and didn't, didn't really capture me. Mm. This miniseries is more of a ode to Stephen King than that ever could be, mm-hmm. based on anything I watched. I have rarely seen a miniseries that felt like it was adapting a novel, like in real time, where the characters were so well realized that it felt like a translation of a novel. This is not based on a novel. It was based on a novel idea that uh, Flanagan had years ago. Uh, In fact, the novel for this showed up in two of his prior movies, like on the shelf, as an Easter egg for something that he wanted to make someday as a reminder to himself to make this story. Uh, the story is very, very set with uh, a horror story set within the Catholic Church, if you will. Small town gone bad. It has a lot of the tone and feel of needful things without having the plot of needful things. Um, a man who's been arrested for a crime he did commit and felt bad for and returns home to a small town island of 127 people 30 miles off the coast of the U.S. East Coast. And wow, from the moment it begins, it feels like a Stephen King joint. The deepening characters, even the, the plot. It's, it's not like he took elements of Stephen King. It's just that he can nail the tone so well. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of want to not really tell you about the plot of it. That's really what I want to tell you is it's a small town gone bad. Mm. Uh, but I do know that the story itself is based on Flanagan's wrestling with his Catholic upbringing as he became an atheist. Mm. Uh, and there is... if. That kind of story interests you because I know we have a contingent of our audience that is uh, atheist present, a la Penn Sunday School. Uh, I think this will appeal to you very well. So if you like religious horror, uh, there's few out there that do it better. Uh, I mean, I can think of Exorcist, I can think of Omen, and I can think of Midnight Mass. It's seven episodes long, each episode an hour long, and it feels... So there's so few translations of horror novels to movies or miniseries that feel like the novels they were. This one feels like a great horror novel that somebody spoke and the other person put a camera at it. And I, I just kind of the highest praise I can give something like this. Hmm. <clears throat> and maybe I'm not uh, putting it in the best words, but. Damn it, it's uh, yeah. a few things leave me feel that impressed. Uh, I also started playing the uh, the brand new Saints Row game. Oh, no. Um, it's been a good time. However, they can't compete against the last Saints Rows. The last Saints Rows were so fucking bonkers. 
The last Saint Row begins with the ending of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And in, in the story itself is kind of a matrix in space kind of thing. It's it was completely mad. This one keeps the comedic tone, but brings it back to earth. It's almost like a a reboot mm-hmm. of the series. You're starting as a it's about you starting this small town gang with a very cartoonish level of uh, of elevation. Um, but it is what it's always been. A knockoff of Grand Theft Auto. Right. That has not changed. Um, so if you that doesn't appeal to you, if, if more Grand Theft Auto on a, with a comedy bent doesn't appeal, this won't. But uh, also if you're expecting The Last Saints Row, I'm sorry, they can't top that. It's, it's too bonkers. They had to dial it back so they have some place to go. Um, again, I'm only about 30% through the game. I thought I wasn't going to like it. A lot of the reviews out there don't like it. Um, but... I'm having fun with it. It's goofy enough to keep that same fun tone where Grand Theft Auto seems to take itself way too seriously. Uh, This one doesn't, and I appreciate that tone. Hmm. But it's still driving cars, uh, causing mayhem, lots of guns, lots of shooting, a lot of violence. It's Beating people to death with a giant purple dildo? No, not yet anyway. Really? I'm not saying it's not in there, but I haven't found it yet. Achievement unlocked. Giant purple dildo. I'm not saying it's not in there, but that seems like something that was part of the last one, where it was like, you think think we're crazy? We're going to dial that up to 23. All right? This this one brings it back down to 11. So gotcha. So I'll, I'll as I get through it more. As I probably won't talk about it again until I complete it or give up on it. One of the two. Uh, but if you're a fan of Saints Row, the original, and maybe even Saints Row Two, it goes about that far. Uh, but uh, as Saints Row Three and Four, uh, no. But at least uh, with this one, if it's successful enough, it could go that bonkers again. So Saints Row, pretty good so far. Kirsten, what'd you do? Uh, well, I played some more, um, um, uh, well, you can't say online, but, uh, computer, uh, Lord's Waterdeep. You, you, you know what? It's taken over from Catan, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I played a little Catan the other day and just to, just to remember, but, uh, remember where you came from? Yeah. But, um, it's really funny because just to challenge myself and see what I could do, I, ramped all of the AIs to their highest setting in the game. And it's a five-player game, so there's four AIs. And it's Ooh. really funny because I noticed it's it's actually easier to win. <laughs> when you have so many people fighting each other? Yes, they're so busy sniping each other, you can kind of sneak in there and get your shit together and win. You know, So I've actually been winning more, <laughs> which is really funny. And then when I lose, I'll lose by like a couple points. So it's always like, ah, shit. I'd only gotten that one last quest, that little tiny one that was just a, just a, a cleric and two sorcerers or and, wizards. And again, for our new listeners, Lords of Waterdeep is a worker placement board game. You can buy yeah. it physically tabletop, but he's been playing the digital version. Yes, the digital. And um, uh, it's, uh, it's inspired by D&D tropes, and uh, the setting is basically from uh, the Forgotten Realms in the D&D universe. So. But it, it's actually been a lot of fun. Isn't one of the cards domesticating owlbears? Yes, <laughs> I love domesticating that. owlbears, yeah. <laughs> There's, um, it's really funny, uh, the, um, 
There are two expansions. I use the Undermountain expansion, which gives a couple more lords and allows for more players. There's also the Skullport expansion, which has a corruption track, which is also fun and interesting because you, you can actually collect corruption. And the track is interesting because there are, I think there are like three, there are three meeples, three little tags on each track and the track starts out at minus one minus two minus three and as people collect corruption you collect that little tag and so the more people that collect it the higher up the track goes right if the first three people to collect it goes from minus one to minus two which means now each one of those little meeples these those little doodads are now worth minus two points and then you can collect more and go to minus three, minus four. And what's really funny is the AI don't give a fuck. <laughs> they just collect corruption. So if you actually play your game and then towards the end just focus on getting rid of corruption because there are mechanics to do that, you can win because you'll have AI with like five or six uh, tags and, and, and the corruption is at minus seven. Or minus eight. So, you know, they're like losing 40, 50 points due yeah. to corruption. And you can win just that way. It's actually hilarious. So, so, so it's a risk-reward mechanic, mechanic for Yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, there's the, it, it's cool stuff. Because I haven't played Skullport in a while. But there were things like you complete this quest and you get, and you get a boatload of stuff. And then you collect some corruption. So, but then there are intrigue cards where you can get rid of corruption and stuff like that. Um, and it was really funny. There was one where it's like return corruption to the track, which lowers the negative value. There's also, though, remove from the game. Like take all your corruption and remove it from the game, which is really funny because oh, yeah. you lose the corruption, but the track does not fall. The track doesn't go down. So everyone else is affected. Yeah, so everyone else is still fucked. So it's, that's fun. So I've been enjoying that, enjoying that. And, uh, and raising my win percentage. Um, <laughs> but I still, you know, can't win against Barry. Um, and then, uh, and Lewis. It was really funny, actually, when uh, we started playing Barry and Deb just started bitching about, oh, God, playing this game with Lewis. He just, uh, he just keeps you know, working it. And, you know, he's, and, you know we're, trying the game's to the game. we're trying to explain to Bleague that... Uh, how methodical Lewis is, and he can think about four steps ahead. And but then he also plays mind games. He's just like, oh, I'm gonna win this game. I don't see how I'm gonna win this one. Oh, sure. I I, I remember that I was so inspired by his uh, his mind games. I wrote him a Republic of Lewis uh, anthem. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, he's he's actually a complete dick at Secret <laughs> Hitler and those games because. Yes. He just totally is busy manipulating everybody. So right. uh, I can't promise I can find it, but if I can find the Republic of Lewis anthem, mm. I will place it at the end of this episode. All right. All right. Nice. But it's a digital file somewhere deep in the bowels oh, of my computer, and those bowels yes. are ex exactly what bowels should be. Yeah. Nasty and disgusting. There you Blurk. go. Blurk. So, but I can find it. It's at the so. end of this episode. So it's not there. I couldn't find yeah. shit. 
The other thing I did was I watched Morbius. You fight. You watched Morbius. Morbius. I watched oh. Morbius, the movie that became a meme. Yes, I started watching that. It was the middle of the day. I couldn't see anything on the TV because it was so dark. So I was yeah. like, oh, I'll come back to this later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. Man, oh man, that's crazy. That and 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 sound. Boy, you really got to tinker with sound to hear movies nowadays. Oh, tell me um, about it. It was it's funny because once again, you know, Marvel, it's like everybody hating on it. I I think the problem is is that it was a Marvel movie because it's uh I it was actually I felt kind of by the numbers, which is kind of unusual for Marvel. Kind of like Venom. Uh kind of sorta, you know, and um and maybe that's a Sony Marvel thing. I don't know. Well, Morbius is a Sony Marvel. Exactly. Thing. I mean, maybe that's a Sony oh, Morbius. Uh, yeah. Mor- Morbius. Sony uh, Marvel Morbius. <laughs> trait. But um, I didn't think it was terribly terrible. It just it was just kind of like by the numbers in terms of what's going to happen, and you know, this is this is where we're going to go with this. You, and you can see the save the cat formula behind kind it. Kind of, sorta, and yeah. You know, and then and uh, Jared Leto. <laughs> see, actually, I didn't have any problems with him. It was really weird because in the comics, Morbius is transformed, uh, and in the movie, apparently, they they kind of go the Buffy route. So you transform when the bloodlust is on you, and you're going to do your thing, but you can actually control it and dial it back and go back to being a pretty human. And sounded more like Venom to me, you know, and it, and it's sort of like. You know, I mean, on the one hand, I know why they did it. But on the other hand, there were times when their makeup, actually, or their their effects for Morbius look, looked pretty good. And I was like, that'd be cool if it stayed that way through the movie. But they weren't doing that. So, Well, everything about the ad campaign for that movie looked like it was not targeted at specific Marvel fans. It was targeted at general audiences to try to draw in. And you know what? The way the movie turned out, I could totally see that, Jeff. Did you see it? I No, I I was going to watch it the other night and I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. it, it It's a a vampire movie or a creature creature film? It's kind of a creature film. um, uh, Kind of an essence of the fly um, tragic science thing because that's a big element of the Morbius mythos is uh, the the science experiment that self experiment that just didn't go right. Um, it the way they used did his powers and stuff was interesting, but then they then they went CGI hog wild towards the end. So it's very very Matrix. Uh, uh, well. Second, second Venom film. Um, you saw the the second. I didn't. One, right? I did not see the second. It, Venom they went film. really CG crazy in the yeah. second. Well, this one at the, the, the end of know, the second film. The too. end of the third Matrix movie. If you yeah. remember how yep. how how that went, which really was a superhero fight in of itself, right? But just the sheer the sheer explosion of the the, the CGI. It was. It it just got very 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 heavy into it and. You know that's it. Marvel has that, but I don't know. They do such a damn good job of of filming those scenes. You 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 sit there and watch something like this, and I don't. You kind of appreciate when Marvel does more. Um, I'm not going to say it was a terrible movie, but it's just you know it's it's not what we expect. Doesn't stand out. 
Yeah. So, eh, you know, that's how that's how I felt about it. So hmm. it's very very strangely by the numbers, really. But, hmm. And no, I didn't have any kind of a problem with Leto. But then again. I'm also one of the few people in the universe who liked uh, Leto's Joker. So, there's that. Yeah. Thanks. All right. I actually like Leto's Joker, too. It's pretty good. Yeah. I think that was cool. I think the problem is there wasn't enough of him to actually get a full grasp of that character in the one movie it was in. Let's do a little bit of mail, all right? Mail. All right. Uh, this one sent to us by Chris the Microscope. I had a random thought today. If given the chance, what comic hero or villain would you want to play on the screen? Would you try and play an iconic MCU villain? Maybe an obscure DC character that could make up for their bad decisions? For me, I'd, I'd love to play a villain. Maybe Clayface, mostly because I wouldn't have to act all that much because he mimics others. <laughs> Very funny. Think of the movie Fallen, but in the Batman universe. So I leave it to you guys. Is there a character you would like to portray on screen? Chris, that's a fantastic question. Mm. Wow. Uh, so we're going to do it uh, two ways. Uh, we will uh, f- decide for ourselves what we would like to play, and then we will decide for each other what we think they should play. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that's a, that seems like a fun way of doing this. Um, <laughs> just to give you guys a little bit of extra time, because I, I, I had a little more t- thought time with this than you did, um, I kind of went through it. I, I would love to play the Joker, because come on, that's screen-chewing stuff, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I would love to play John Constantine, because it's one of my favorite characters in the world, and I just love that attitude. But when I had to sit and think about it, who would I like to play? I think I would like to play Beast, Hank McCoy of the mm. X-Men. I think mm. that that would be a really fun character, that, that uh, intellectual but also physically bounding dude. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be a lot, of, a lot of fun to sink that into that kind of... Now, would you be furry beast? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, don't get me I like the classic beast just fine. But you know what? I'd play either one. Mm-hmm. But furry beast, I, I think, is a much better developed character in the comics. Mm. Had, had a lot more time with it. I was, I was having difficulty racking my brain for this, but I think I figured it out. Okay. Ooh. The Blob. Oh, wow. I want to be... <laughs> really? I want to be on screen in a gigantic fat suit because they could be hilarious. Yeah, man. Just, I don't know. I can get behind like, that for you. Yeah, The Blob. Villain, The Blob. Like classic X-Men, The Blob. Sure. Yeah. And, and, wow. and an audacious car- <laughs> personality, too. So, yes, yes I, I love yes. that for you. Jeff K., What's, what's your thoughts? Who would you like to play? I, I can't even... Cause like, it's not even who you see yourself yeah. as. What would you like to play? Right, right. right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the weird thing. Is I just don't... I, I, I got literally nothing right now. Okay. I'm, oh, don't, you know, don't worry. We'll probably have something for you. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you will. Hmm? Hey, Kay, you got a, got a thought? Well, you know, as growing up, I always had a lot of... A lot of uh, fan heroes and the funny thing about the marvel movies is so many have been done now right because i grew up loving the vision Mm, so um not i wouldn't i wouldn't want to do the vision of the movies so much as the vision of the comics especially the, the early bronze age when he came about silver surfer is a big favorite of mine i'd love to i would love to be the silver surfer um or from dc uh um, Martian Manhunter. 
Wow. Yeah. So, I really like Martian Manhunter. You know, I think if I had to choose, I think that's who I'd choose for you is Martian Manhunter. Yeah. He's, he's really cool. And, it, you know, he's got it all. So they got to give him a, a phony weakness just to make him less powerful than Superman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, fire. If I had to go DC, uh, Deadshot. Yeah. I'm liking really? Deadshot. Yeah. yeah, I like Deadshot. You, you got a long range sniper. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. You know, just never misses yeah. except when it's Batman. Except when it's Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, um, more obscure, like a DC character. I, I like Dr. Occult. I always thought Dr. Occult was kind of interesting, hmm. weird. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's really like, you mentioned Constantine. And um, <laughs> it's... Uh, it that's kind of interesting you know or to to it, it, a little late but you know the corinthian okay okay sure the corinthian is just crazy crazy i, I think the one that popped out for me for you is is kind of like a, a twofer because they're kind of similar in, in a regard and that is rorschach or the question like the, <laughs> the early question yeah yeah well it's funny you mention uh uh, Rorschach or the question because the question is a Ditko character and Rorschach is inspired by one right because uh, one of my choices for you would be a Ditko character DC's the creeper <laughs> <laughs> what the f- I take my answer back my answer is the creeper too. that's right I love the creeper <laughs> well it's so funny because actually the way you when you talked about Joker and the beast and you it's can actually right. you can actually elevate or pitch the creeper as a, a melding of the Joker and the Beast. You're absolutely right. You know, you got yellow and green. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, just a, a physical bounding, batoing, batoing character who's Ooh, yeah. also just it's, it's balls such, out crazy. It's such an odd question too because I, I I start thinking about some of my favorite comic book characters and I'm at at the same token I'm like I would not want to. To play any of those characters, mm-hmm. like Batman is my favorite comic book character of all time. I would not want to be Batman at right. all. It's it's a very uh, you know even in the more lighter versions, he's still a pretty tragic character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, working through you know stuff the wrong way, <laughs> working yeah. working through trauma the wrong way. But uh, now uh, uh, we could. Uh, uh, I don't know what what do you what do you think, Matt Brainiac? For Jeff. Oh, oh wow, yeah. yeah. There's, there's that. You know? Put a little green on him, give him a blonde wig. I guess I a, wouldn't mind doing like a Barry Allen flash. I was All I right. Mind He's Allen stepping Allen up flash. to the plate yeah, now. Is. There he is. There he goes. Right. You know, a forensic scientist. Like Kevin that. Spacey, Lex Luthor. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Woof. Well, that's a very specific Woof. element. That's a... Uh, mm. Right. Well, he was my favorite actor until things happened. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's I, I get yeah. that disappointment. So, uh, so you're saying Jeff was your favorite something until something no, happened? No. <laughs> so I'm I'm a pre disappointing uh, <laughs> Lex Luthor. <laughs> pre Lex Luthor in his pre disappointing phase. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I it's it's funny you mentioned. That. No, you know what? Somebody else said. Uh, they they saw me as a Lex Luthor mm. in the comic book universe, and I'm like, really? Me? He's a Modok. That's who he well, is. He's Modok. He's Modok. Yeah, get behind a Modok. Yeah, he's Modok. Big M-O-Doc. giant Jeff yeah. head, Boo. little arms. Oh my god! Like, just oh, yeah. how he Andy. things. Andy. Boo. 
break out the pen and paper. Yeah. We need a Jeff Modoc. <laughs> How you power through things? It's a Modoc. <laughs> yeah, there that is, is that. actually. Because so, I was going to go with Humbug originally, but Modoc, sure. Designed only mm. for comedy or what? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's perfect. That is perfect. I love it. Oh, yeah. boy. How about Matt? How about Matt? Matt. Oh, Matt. Sasquatch? Jeez. Wow! Which which iteration? U.S. agent Alpha Flight Sasquatch. Matt Matt's U.S. agent. U.S. agents. Well, Sasquatch is is very heroic. Yeah, I I don't know. Not heroic. U.S. agent is. uh, I mean, he likes Captain America, but he's Canadian, so he's sort of a U.S. agent. Well, there is that. (laughs) And you know, talk about making your dealing with stuff. Yeah, making your way through issues and stuff. I don't know. U.S. agent. So I, I, he he actually he actually threw me off with the blob thing. It's a good one. Yeah. That's uh, so. That's yeah. It's hard to make that one better. Mm-hmm. True. It'd be if you if we could get who do we who's the who's the author? You need like it. Keith Giffen mm-hmm. was to write the Juggernaut. Okay. Maybe, they call it damn Juggernaut. Yeah, that character could be played by Matt. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> And they're not here right now, but I was thinking for Barry, the Toad. Oh, no. we have to. Well, we do, do have to do this. Toad, that's true. That's toad, true. or uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Black. Uh, what's his name there? Juggernaut sidekick, Black Adam, not Black Adam. Wait, who? The, the guy with the shillelagh. What's it? Black Tom. Black there you Tom. go. Black Tom. Oh. No, I was thinking Plastic Man for Barry. <laughs> there is yeah. Plastic Man. Yeah, or you know, the yeah. elongated man. The the. <laughs> Plastic man, if you got him no. off, wish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Elongated man's too good for him. Or Barry strikes me more like Booster Gold with that whole, oh, you know, unnecessary is. arrogance. Okay, I take it back. Yeah. Booster Gold, 100%. That is a very good point. That is a spot on. Booster Gold. Or was it uh, the word is undeserved arrogance? There you go. Yeah. All right. So, Deb, what do we, where do we put Deb? Deb. Hmm. Oh, my. Hmm. You got to be careful because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you see, you want you want to make the initial mistake and just go straight Supergirl, but you've got to. There's that intellectual power you have to reckon with. You can't just you know. Right. So you got to factor that in there somewhere. Hmm. Plus That's a tough the one. That's a tough plus one. the neurotic nature. But no, okay, we got to throw that in there. So a songbird then. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Summers, um, no. <laughs> Phoenix version of Jean Grey. There you go. Dark Phoenix. Ah, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Deb's Dark Phoenix. There it is. All right. I know. All right, thank you, you Microscoop, know. for uh, posing that question and this little weird intellectual exercise. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to completely switch the gears here because during the amazing las vegas comic-con Kay had a fantastic interview with bonnie gordon now tell us a little bit about, about bonnie gordon there Kay. uh bonnie um, is the voice of the computer on the star trek animated series star trek prodigy she's also been a voice over actress did rainbow mika uh, which was kind of like her her one of her bigger breakout things in the in the whole acting and performing community um, then again, she also kind of had a breakout uh, geek acting thing with the quest, where she did that whole like D and D in a castle thing reality that, show. Yeah, re- reality show, unscripted. Yes, and that went. That was years ago. And don't so, forget Fire Emblem. That's got a big following. Mm, yeah, <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> I, Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Yeah. Um, 
uh, she she's done a bunch of gaming voices. She's moved into some anime and uh, even did some actual play stuff. And one of the actual play RPG streaming stuff. And one of the fun things about that is a lot of us here in Vegas know Bonnie because she worked for several months at Take a Drink. Take a Drink. Star Trek The Experience. So she actually did a, and I'm totally blanking, which fortunately she mentions it in the interview, the actual play that she did, which was a Star uh, Trek-based game. Uh, So she's just been, she also works at the Magic Castle when she's in between gigs. One of the library bards. Yes. Her group, the library bard, where she partnered up with... um, I've forgotten his Xander. name. Xander. Xander. His last name. I Who was on King of the Nerds. Yes. And uh, they actually did a lot of geek uh, song performance routines. And now she actually kind of does that on her own. And it's amazingly bold because it's like Bonnie with a microphone and the tracks are playing in the background and she's doing it all and it's it's actually incredibly energetic and incredibly she's very talented so and i just i've always admired bonnie's boldness because she just doesn't she's she's too busy to be afraid yeah you'll you'll hear it in the interview but there's there's some stories she told christian oh my god we were just like you did what now yeah i was (laughs) i was holding the mic and jeff was holding the the audio, the recording device, the recording device, and Matt yeah, was, was making sure I was holding a churro. Yeah, Matt. Matt was doing he uh, was a good keep- job of keeping because anytime we've done these interviews at cons in the past, people are just oblivious to the fact that you're you know you're trying to be out of the way, and people still walk either right in front of you, right oh, between yeah. you. Uh, so Matt was doing crowd control and doing a really good job of that because so. we've had. Um, back in the old Ugly Couch Show days, we get people who would just bump into the camera, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah. So, we uh, we interviewed Bonnie. She told an interesting story or two. And I uh, hope you enjoy hearing uh, just a bit of the epic, bold tale of this talented, talented person. And it goes a little something like this. I am Commander K, ladies and gentlemen out there uh, for the podcasters and the shock monkeys. I am with the beautiful and talented Bonnie Gordon. That's me. Oh my God, Bonnie. Bonnie, as uh, we have mentioned so many times on the podcast, is a friend of ours from Star Trek The Experience. Oh, I miss it so much. And we, uh, well. We all do. Yeah, we we do. Rest in peace, (laughs) Star Trek The Experience. (laughs) Yep. So you were with us right towards the the end. The very end. The very end. I came in, I, I was like the nice little bookend at the, at the, the bottom of the barrel. No, I came in at the very end, and I was so excited. I, I think I started there maybe like um, beginning of 08, like January, mm-hmm. February 08, and, and got to go through till the closing uh, ceremony. Yeah. So I was one of the last hires, I believe, oh, of wow. the Star Trek experience. My God. Mm-hmm. But you were there, and you were in Starfleet. I loved it so much. I was on. I was in Starfleet on the, on the Enterprise side. Mm-hmm. I, I think mostly was on the Ensign Thomas track because I looked so young. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think I looked old enough to <laughs> very, play a very, lieutenant commander. What? No. They're like, come you know, on. no, don't give her that extra pip. No, 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 no. No more pips for you. Yeah, You're it's a pipped pip, out. It, it's a pip show. Pip limit. Yeah. Um yeah. Now when uh, when Trek closed, how soon after 
did you leave Vegas? Because it wasn't that long, was it? There, you know, when when Trek closed, it was around the Vegas recession. Oh yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, you know, when everything kind of plummeted, and, and all the shows I was in were getting budget cuts, and I could tell something was not quite right. right. Cause you were doing like Tony and Tina's, Tony and Tina's and stuff wedding. Like. I was doing a bunch of different, um, I was singing with some bands. You were gigging. I remember I that was gigging. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the gig started yeah. getting further and further away. I, I drove to LA just to like for the weekend to see what was going on. And I walked into it like an, to a closed audition of second city, but I guess it was open cause I walked in <laughs> and, uh, got got accepted into the conservatory and I was like I guess I'm moving to LA and that's and that's kind of how I that ended up That is a classic LA story. Is it? I walked into an audition that I had no idea was happening. I, I stayed in a hostel on Hollywood Boulevard and oh. walked the streets of Hollywood Boulevard with my little suitcase. What, you have got su- I wouldn't do that and I'm like 100 pounds heavier than you and I look at <laughs> at least I look partially menacing. My god. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot of strange uh um, like confrontations from the characters on Hollywood Boulevard that, that weekend. They were oh, like, God. who's this poor child like with a suitcase mm-hmm. walking the boulevard back and forth having nowhere to live? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, fun But you, you, I mean, you, um, the quest, was that your bust out? Is that where... Uh... That was a big door opener for me. You know, I was already kind of in the nerd realm. I was doing a theater in L.A. I was doing... Um, it was, know, it was live theater to, shows, but mm-hmm. there, were, there were radio plays that we recorded live in front of an audience. Okay. And that's how I got started kind of into voiceover as well. Okay, okay. And it kind of, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is gone from this yeah, con. Voice, you can, yeah. you By can the way, hear. folks, just to let you know, yeah. we're at the end of the weekend. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And I did like two concert, three concerts and was speaking all day, five panels. So my voice is a little, uh, a little shot right now. Mm-hmm. But, but for the most part, I loved doing... Um, I was doing a lot of theater, a lot of different like small VO stuff, and then randomly went to the Quest audition to help a friend get on it because they said to bring a group of people you would go on an adventure with, and uh. then all the people he brought, everyone got cut except for me, uh. and I was the one who got who made it all the way to the end. Oh my god! And it was such a fun experience, such a fun show. I mean, living in a castle, you know, right. sword fighting. Um, I, I felt like Bonnie Baggins finally, <laughs> uh, and and you know. I, I was just myself, mm-hmm. and I think that's what made it so special. Well, you're so darn charming oh, and shucks. adorable. Okay, I, was, I accept, lo- <laughs> okay, I accept okay. your compliment. Thank you, sir. Well, so nice. you, you, okay, so there's a quest, and you, I, actually, I do want to talk about, like, the elevation of your career, but wait a minute. You mentioned panels, like at cons. What yeah. What panels at cons are you doing? What? So I do a lot of, I'll do a lot of random like voiceover panels at mm-hmm. conventions, uh, voiceover 101, giving okay. like tips of the trade. A lot of people always want to know how do you start in yes. voiceover or if you wanted to do something from home, mm-hmm. uh, what's like the best way to right. start that. So, okay, I did attend one yeah. of those. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do panels about TTRPGs, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I'll do panels about... I've done panels of behind the scenes of a nerdy reality show because of the quest. I've right. done panels where it's just like a Q&A of me. I've done, you know, full solo uh-huh. concerts. I've done, I, I just jump on panels whenever yes. I can. I did a Star Trek panel this weekend as well. Oh my so God. whenever, you know, if they if they need someone to fill a seat, I usually can just plop myself down. and, and Because you've got I was it like, all oh, covered. Oh, we're talking about nerdy stuff? Yeah. Okay, let me... Let me uh, look through my Rolodex. Yep, I can talk about this. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, then voiceover. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're talking about breaking into the business and how you mentioned that you had started the radio type play things. After the quest, what was the next thing that you were like, 
you know, that really gave you a boost. I think the thing that uh, that pushed me a little bit over the edge to where I, I started getting more recognized at conventions was uh, getting uh, work on Street Fighter, Street Fighter Five. Oh, I was oh. the voice of Rainbow Mika, and uh-huh. it came out in 2015, and that kind of I think pushed. Um, Push that forward. How does that recognition go? Is that like because because you're doing the voice, right. so is it like name recognition? Are people like, oh, it's Bonnie Gordon, or it's mostly, they hear you? It's mostly, um, you know, trying to make my presence known on social media. Okay. Like people, people who are playing the game, who are playing me as a main. Right. I'll, you know, they'll they'll be tagging or hashtagging Rainbow mm-hmm. Mika, and I'll jump in and being like, oh, you know, glad right. you. God, you play her and all that, and they get excited uh-huh. and freak out. It, it's just kind of building that presence okay. and, and um, wanting to be a part of the community. Like mm-hmm. I, I love, I love obviously the nerd community. I love the sci-fi community. I love yeah. the gaming community. So it's just me trying to be present mm-hmm. in it, and also to show to show like the players and and the fans and the nerds out there that I'm just pretty much one of them too right and also right want to be active in the community mm-hmm. like i don't want people to ever think like oh you know i, I don't want to go talk to her she's this and this and it's like no come talk to me let's right i, I want to nerd out with you too you know let's mm-hmm. let's talk gaming let's talk sci-fi let's well, talk gaming fantasy gaming you, you 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 of course people will now know you as the voice on Prodigy. Yes, Star Trek Prodigy, yeah. the USS Protostar. And we're, we're always just so happy to talk about that. But Acknowledged. It's, like, it's not the first Star Trek thing you did. I mean, there was something in between the experience and Prodigy. That's right. So any fans of uh, Twitch Gaming or, or the channel Geek and Sundry, uh, there was a TTRPG show called Shield of Tomorrow. It was a Star Trek role-playing game um, of Star Trek Adventures. Uh, we had an amazing cast, full costumes. We even had sets behind us, and it, it was probably one of the most incredible experiences because um, being a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. creating a character, and being completely immersed in Trek, but with within the a gaming environment was just so much fun. We also did one during COVID on the Q Times Twitch channel called Clear Skies, where mm-hmm. I played the chief medical officer, oh. uh, which was a, a occasion. Dr. McCrell. So yeah, that one uh, wow. you can find, and you can find all of these on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you, if you mm-hmm. search, um, you know, Geek and Sundry, Shield of Tomorrow. Right. You can search Q Times, Clear Skies. You can. These you are can actual find all plays. You're on video. Yeah, you can. I mean, there's a lot of episodes. It's a lot to take in because the episodes are long. It's live. Yes. Gaming. Yeah. Um, role playing games, but at the same time, it's it, yeah, it's super mm-hmm. fun. It's it's mm. it was good Trek too, good Trek. You've got so you've got Trek all over the place. Then. I'm just I'm covered in Trek. I'm up that's to here with Trek. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, the give whole, me more Trek. Yeah, really. Well, I mean, God only knows what'll happen after uh, well, pro- yeah. Prodigy. I mean, new episodes drop October 27th. Okay. Um, you've only seen that. There's ten out now, mm-hmm. and that's just the first half of season one. All people right. don't realize. I think people think that season one you know, is over. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you've only seen the first half. First half. And it gets so good. I can't obviously tell you any spoilers, okay. but it's so good. And um, the best part is, is that we've only just begun, as as Janeway would yeah, say. Yeah. And Excellent. I'm also, I'm trying to think of something. I don't know. I, I, there's just so much new good Trek coming out. Yes. It's almost overwhelming. Yes, it is. And I'm really, but really hoping, great. I'm hoping that, um, 
with my involvement within the community and within the the fandom that I can convince people to let me audition for a live action role. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really hoping yeah. that you know everyone says, oh, you're following in the footsteps of uh, Major Barrett Roddenberry mm -hmm. as the computer. And I was like, wouldn't that be nice to also follow her footsteps onto the screen? Uh, <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, if wow. you're listening. So I'm really hoping mm -hmm. that I can um, get an opportunity to also crew you know be a character on camera as well wow. that's i think my, it's that's just a matter of time that's my goal. i think it's just a matter yeah. of time i'm getting the wavy finger of uh, let's get going so oh, okay. I did, um you're coming out with a new album I in am. november i'm hoping it's going to be done in november it's being okay. mixed right now okay. so that process you know i don't want to mm. i don't want to force it or uh, you know rush that because i want it to be the best it can be will there be any appearances promoting that album anywhere? i'm going to be doing as many appearances as possible okay. i'm hoping to get back to vegas and, vegas and do a album release at the millennium fandom Bar. all righty well so, yeah. we're gonna be there perfect i promise be i'll there be there next time be both. i love the fish and chips but wow but anyway um and bonnie it is always a pleasure so you're so you. bold thank you you're so strong bold I just and brassy bonnie I just that's what they call me <laughs> the triple b thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time my pleasure it's so good to uh, see you so good to see live you live long and prosper everyone Absolutely. stay nerdy <laughs> make it so and that was the interview with Bonnie Gordon. They're good. Yep. I love that. She was, she was, she, it, it, it's funny because <clears throat> it, it's not like she's new. You know, she's, she's been working. So she's got the interview thing down. That's yeah, kind of. Her, her IMDb page, she's got a lot of voiceover she's, credits she's, in addition to everything she talks about. Oh, it. yeah. She, it's just crazy. So, and good on her. Good for you, Bonnie. Just amazing how, uh, how much work she's put in and uh, what she's getting done. So, yay. So we're going to take that high and go back to low and do news you don't give a shit about. Uh, yay. yay. Yeah. I came Why? just for this segment. There was much Why? rejoicing. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast has uh -oh. updated the amounts awarded for winning Magic 30's cosplay contest. Uh, the 30th anniversary of Magic the Gathering is to be marked by a huge event here in Las Vegas. Huge. But the <sighs> cosplay contest was off to a bad start after Wizards initially offered a paltry $200 gift card for the first place winner. What, a gift card what? to what? Like the, the Wizards of the Coast? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, $200. Wow. $200. For this major cosplay contest. Mm -hmm. Is this, this Blizzard? Like, what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> this led Wait. to a backlash from fans punctuated by magic cosplayer Sprankle, uh, topping Wizard's offer with $1,000 of her own cash. Quote, I'll just straight up give the best of show winner $1,000. For real, for real. Or if you want a case of whatever set around to the same price, winner's choice, Sprankle wrote on Twitter. Continuing, a handmade costume for a competition isn't cheap, plus travel and everything else. It's a lot for one event, unquote. Uh, Wizards have updated the cosplay contest rewards to be much more substantial. Now, first place will take home $3,000 U.S. in cash with a $200 Joanne fabric gift card and two three-day VIP badges to the final Magic Festival event in 2023, including a single hotel room stay. Sec wow. Second place will receive uh, $1,750 cash with a $150 Joanne gift card and one three-day VIP badge. 
Vag. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, I'm day, in. A three-day vag. I got to break out that lion suit and be one of those lion guys. And now there's several new award categories, including novice, journeyman, and master's categories. Winner of each category can expect a $1,000 cash prize, $100 gift card, and the three-day VIP badge for the festival as well. So uh, one good on Sprankle for yeah. calling them out and kind of forcing their hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially but, considering how much some of those... Got those those cosplayers pay for their materials for the costumes. Mm-hmm. Ain't, ain't nobody there with a yeah. two hundred dollar outfit. Oh, no. well, there is, but well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, there you go. There but, you yeah. go. but they are winning. Yeah, yeah they're not they're winning. Not winning. <laughs> they're not even in the top five. No, no, <laughs> or top twenty. No, but uh, I mean, good on you, wizards, for making it right. Yes, but damn, that's I a still hell think of a first low. I still think three thousand dollars is not enough. Uh, I would agree. For a company like that. Well, it's it's better when you add in all the other stuff, like the hotel stay. True. Because uh, I remember, uh, I was just watching a video recently, and the the person that was being interviewed was talking about, uh, it's like uh, being on a game show. It's like you, you paid like $3,000 to get to this place to be on this game show to win like $1,000. So it's, it's that same kind of thing with cosplayers. Mm. They're spending all this money to get there, pay for their hotel rooms, etc., and for a two hundred gift two hundred dollar gift card, that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, you don't give a shit about. MGM has lost the feature right feature rights to the Tomb Raider franchise, uh, which has sparked a bidding war that will likely lead to another film reboot in the future. Oh, God, I was facing down a May deadline to greenlight a new Tomb Raider film after years of slow development. Uh, development on Tomb Raider two seemed to be on track for a while. Uh, first with In the Earth and Kill List writer-director Ben Wheatley attached, but Wheatley eventually left the project and set to work on The Meg 2 instead. Uh, Misha Green, showrunner on HBO's Lovecraft Country, picked up the sequel and even teased that a draft of the script was completed. But sadly, it seems MGM wasn't ready to move forward with Green's draft, leaving Tomb Raider in limbo until the rights expired. Uh, things got a little more complicated earlier this year when Tomb Raider rights holder Square Enix sold the IP, along with several other game franchises and studios, to the Embracer Group in a $300 million deal. In a financial report following the purchase, Embracer Group highlighted the franchise, along with other gaming mainstays like Deus Ex and Legacy of Kane, as a sort of, quote, great potential for the company. Embracer is that company that bought up like all that stuff yeah. this last year. Like, like all of it. It's crazy and kind of disturbing. Very. But uh, so MGM, yeah, no longer making Tomb Raider movies. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, last Tomb Ra- the last Tomb Raider reboot, if you will, uh, was the best of the movies. Yeah, the, the Alicia Vikander one. Yes. Uh, so I wouldn't have minded another one of those. Mm-hmm. She seemed more like the character in the video games. Yes. The way they wrote her in that film as opposed to you know the Angelina Jolie ones well and that was Angelina Jolie playing Angelina Jolie well that's yeah, yeah that's very true but uh, but I'm I, I'm all for Raiders of the Lost Ark knockoffs in movies they, 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 they can't make enough Raiders for me so I accept the knockoffs uh, the the last Drake one was enjoyable right uh, but Uncharted. Uncharted, yes. Oh, I was going to say Drake did a Raiders of the Lost Ark. That, well, he did, that was, he did that a concept was, album. Oh. Yeah. That was my only gripe with that Uncharted film was that it there wasn't enough of the yes. you know Raiders feel to it. I mean, there was some, enough to keep it entertaining, but felt like it yeah. needed more. 
Sure, but but frankly, I can't think of any other Raiders knockoff that has enough Raiders stuff in me to like it. Like what, even the Quartermain stuff. What about have National enough. Treasure? That felt very Raiders, but just in okay. a modern setting. Closer to it, but to me, that felt a little more like a Dan Brown novel than okay. a Raiders thing. All right, I'll yeah. give you that mm. one. Um, well, you know, uh, this this takes off in the next ten years or so. Haley Steinfeld. Okay. She'll, they'll probably go with her. Okay. Too bad for Alicia Vikander, but you know. Uh, yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'm, I'm, I guarantee it. No, I don't You're going to guarantee it? I'm going to guarantee it. All right. That's right. That's the power you can take they, that they, to the bank. Yeah. There's no Spangler $1,000 in it, but uh, I'll bet you that's, that's who they'll go with. If, uh, and if you're right, you get a $200 Geek Shock gift yeah, card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. All the Norway stickers you can buy. I get 200 free spins on the Wheel of Drinks. <laughs> I, w- I would accept that one, actually. That sounds like a, a bargain. And Todd, we've, we've all got 200 free spins on that wheel. Oh, thank God. Just have to, you just have to go to Barry's. I just have to go to Barry's and kill myself with that wheel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Paramount Plus and Showtime have combined into a single streaming app. Oh, God. oh, good. New subscribers will be able to sign up for Paramount Plus with Showtime for $7.99 a month for the basic ad-supported service and $12.99 for the ad-free version. Uh, current subscribers can upgrade the bundle within their app. After the introductory discount ends October 2nd, the bundle will cost $11.99 with ads and $14.99 without them. Uh, subscribers interested in having only Showtime with Paramount Plus, although I don't know why you would, will still be able to get it for $10.99 a month as a standalone offering. So $10.99 versus $11.99, I can see why you'd make that choice. Likewise, those wanting Paramount Plus but not Showtime can continue to pay $4.99 a month with ads or $9.99 without them. Uh, the Paramount combination comes as Warner Brothers Discovery is working to bring HBO Max and Discovery Plus into a single app. Yay. Ooh. Uh, Disney's three-part bundle of Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu has been a big success since its 2020 introduction. For now, each service within it remains separate, though it is widely expected that Hulu will migrate to Disney Plus once Disney gains full control of Hulu in 2024. Yeah, I was just reading an article on that yesterday. So that that'll be interesting, and and they've kind of flirted with that with Disney Plus, bringing the uh, the Netflix uh, Street Marvel movies into right. to their fold. They're, they were a little more adult oriented, especially Daredevil. Mm. So, uh, so I, I, I'm I would be glad to see Hulu completely folded into Disney Plus, because right now Disney Plus just feels like it's for kids and kids only. I mean, yeah. surely they have the well, Marvel you, stuff, they have the Star Wars stuff. You haven't watched Andor. That's, that's a good point. I haven't seen the sexy Andor yet. Yeah, implied sex Andor. Implied, implied, implied sexy, sexy Andor. Because that, oh, that's yeah. how they do it in Star Wars. Right. It's, it's implied. Right, like the death sticks. You know. Very, very hard-handed right. hard implied. And when they do, I don't want to sell you death sticks. When they talk about conception, it's, it's immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> Who is his father? There was no father. So oh yeah, we all know it was C three PO, the earlier <laughs> oh, version of C three PO. Oh my, yeah. before the memory wipe. Yeah, before he rebuilt him as a oh protocol droid. Mm. <sighs> oh, he used to be a sex bot. Yeah. Oh, like uh, from uh, Woody Allen's Sleeper. Spot on. Oh, okay. Woody Allen. 
That, that was, that was C-3PO first? in a previous life. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, that's the first time that connection's ever been made in nerddom anywhere. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hop into your folks, only on Geek Shock. <laughs> Geek Shock. Uh, if you found that Creepies. disturbing, news don't give a shit about doctors in Dublin found dozens of batteries in a 66-year-old woman's colon and stomach. A report published Thursday in the Irish Medical Journal detailed the patient's arrival at St. Vincent's University Hospital, where an x-ray revealed batteries in her body. Uh, miraculously, none were obstructing her gastrointestinal tract. Uh, doctors initially decided to, to wait in hopes that she would... <laughs> Pass the batteries naturally. Pass the back. Would you pass the batteries, please? Uh, though she released five double A batteries released. the first week, she released them. You like how that was put. Release <laughs> the batteries. Subsequent X-rays showed that most were still stuck inside. <laughs> After realizing that her distended stomach was hanging above the pubic bone due to the weight of the batteries, <laughs> surgeon cut into her abdomen and successfully removed forty-six of them. Unfortunately, for all involved, four additional batteries remain trapped in the colon. As described in the report, doctors milked them into her rectum to remove them from her anus, unquote. Uh, this brought the total amount of batteries she ingested, both AA and AAA, to 55. Quote, to the best of our knowledge, this case represents the highest reported number of batteries ingested at a single point in time, unquote. The journal article said, submitting it to... World records. While the incident certainly inspired curious bafflement, the report reminded readers that the ingestion of batteries is a serious method of self-harm, as it can cause several issues, including mucosal industry uh, injury, mucosal indus- industry as well, uh, <laughs> perforation and obstructions. Kids, don't try this at home. Is what I'm saying. Don't 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 try it at the office either. <laughs> Barely. Or graduate up to C and D batteries. Now yeah, really. Really. No. yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna do it, go big. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I want to see her take some of those nine volts, <laughs> if if she could find them. That's a, well, it's it's, it's probably be the largest collection of nine volts found in one spot. <laughs> Although they are a bit more tingly, I will say that. Oh yeah, I I just that's the first thing. Is like it, it, they're they're not like zapping or or anything. But is there while a connection end to end happening yeah, somewhere? Yeah, no, and and also it's like. I mean, stomach acid, that batteries, that it wouldn't it corrode, and then wouldn't wouldn't that leak? Oh, eventually. And, oh, eventually. I know. Oh, so sitting for however long in the colon, it's just not enough to do it. With those casings on batteries are pretty robust because it's trying to keep the acid that's inside of it in. So. And she did pass four of them. So if you swallow a, I'm not saying do this, kid. No, <laughs> definitely do not do but this. But hypothetically, if you swallowed it's, a battery, it would probably eventually pass before any shell casing damage truly I don't occurred. What, is, is it? Was she dis- suffering from that disorder where they eat uh, non-food items yeah, or something? That, that it doesn't go clear. into that. That's really that's just, the funniest part of that article. Is tell you why she they did don't it even or, go near why where yeah. that came from. Yeah. It's like it's like the you know, the the whole because uh, there's a name for like the disorder for people who want who eat socks or, or just eat things that just aren't supposed to be edible. Yeah, glass. We're forgetting like, something, stones. guys. This is a TikTok challenge. No, it isn't. <laughs> it is definitely not one of those. Hands down. Well, but it is Ireland. I don't know if that means anything. Some Irish but... lady. This is for me, TikTok. Glarp, glarp. Ooh. Anything for a follower. 
Geek Shock T-shirt, and and somehow we just offended the uh, the our Irish listeners with his bad Irish accent. Oh, just like our Norwegian. If we if we've hung on to our Norwegian listener with my accent, I think we can hold on to the Irish with my other one. <laughs> I, I think our our Irish firmly attached to Northern Europe. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we can geek. Ah, yay, Faith and Bagora. Let's hear the Week and Geek. Oh, my. I'm not getting better. (laughs) NASA's Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, mission uh, was slammed into a tiny asteroid moon at nearly 24,000 kilometers per hour today in order to change the velocity of the asteroid by less than a millimeter per second, which is tiny but significant. The point... To see if hitting an asteroid at high speed is possible, to test the mechanics and engineering of it, and to hope that if one day we see an asteroid headed our way, this method can be employed to save the planet. Uh, to be clear, this asteroid was over 11 million kilometers from Earth when it was hit, which is far too far away to be any danger to us. Some a- asteroids have orbits that bring them close to Earth and over time could eventually hit us. Uh, that's not necessarily a problem if they're small, but when they get to around 100 meters in size, it's big trouble. Uh, they're also moving so quickly, dozens of kilometers per second, so in some cases, more than 100,000 kilometers an hour, that's the energy impact of hu- is huge. So it can easily dwarf a nuclear weapon, and if the asteroid's big enough, it can be larger than a combined nuclear arsenal of every nation on Earth. Yeah. So the difference between us and the dinosaurs is we have the science of astronomy and the space program. Uh, astronomer, astronomers are <laughs> are cataloging potentially dangerous asteroids, and with rockets, that's something we may be able to do something about it. And that's the reasoning behind the DART mission. Scientists pack, picked the asteroid Didymus with an 800-meter-wide rock on an orbit that takes it pretty close to Earth, sometimes less than 10 million kilometers. <gasps> Tell me they were playing Aerosmith as they're doing this I, mission. I really hope they were. Oh, God, they better. Uh, yeah. They hope the impact will change the orbital velocity of uh, Dimorphos by roughly... 0.4 millimeters per second, a tiny amount, but this will change its 11.9 hour orbital period by about 10 minutes, which is enough to measure. So ESA will be launching a follow-up mission called HERA that will visit the system in 2027 and nail down the exact change. And if this works, it'll be a huge step toward mitigating asteroid impacks. So congratulations to Jadart, you, you smacked an asteroid. That's a... Uh... Wouldn't that be ironic if it smacked it just enough, it gets caught in Jupiter's gravity, gets slingshot around, and then rockets towards Earth, and we're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Oops. They, they messed in God's yeah. domain. Yeah. In 2070, they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be great. Yeah, I'd be gone by then. Yeah, I don't care. So I wouldn't care yeah. either. Yeah, none of us do. Yeah. It's Actually, I hope it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the ending we'll get, but it's probably the ending we deserve. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. James Earl Jones, who has voiced Darth Vader for nearly 50 years of Star Wars films, is stepping away from the role. He's still around. I saw you all tensing it up. The 91-year-old... No! Oh, no! Dude, that will be... 
that is going to be yeah. the simultaneously appropriate and inappropriate it, yep. meme but of the 21st century mm-hmm. when when, when that day comes yeah. and and posting no. that fader no yeah. unfortunately that is yep will happen and geek shock will be here for it ladies and gentlemen we started it we hope <laughs> We started it. We started it. We started it. No, no, no. That's our claim We didn't start the fire. <laughs> that's, that's what we got to be proud of. The 91-year-old actor has signed off on archival voice recordings being used by young filmmakers who plan to utilize artificial intelligence synthetic speech technology to recreate Jones's younger voice from his previous films for future Lucasfilm projects. The company has enlisted the assistance of Respeecher, a Ukrainian startup that uses AI technology to craft new conversations from revitalized old voice recordings. Well, they better get those out quick. Uh, there, there was actually a part of this story where they did have to because they did the uh, young Luke Skywalker recordings for The Mandalorian. Mm. And they did have a quick, we got to get this out fast shipment. Yeah. Out before uh, the invasion Russia did stupid bullshit Putin uh, Ukrainian startup uses AI technology to craft new conversations from revitalized old voice recordings Respeecher's relationship with Lucasfilm began with the book of Boba Fett for which they recorded the young Luke Skywalker uh, the two also teamed up for voice performances of Darth Vader on the series Obi-Wan Kenobi which debuted on Disney streamer this summer so uh, a Technology in its infancy, but I get we're going to see a lot more of it, whether you like it or not. Well, they're not real artists because they, they, they haven't put their hands on it. Yeah. What I liked about that article, though, is that... Um, Bring it back. After he signed his rights away, they don't have to consult him, but they're going to continue to consult with, with James Earl Jones about the performances that they're trying to create with the technology and, and say, well, how would you have done this? Or what what inflections would you do differently, et cetera? Of course, Jeff. Uh, they got maybe four years left. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, the medical industry is kind of made Matt a little jaded. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, timeshare and medical. Yeah, it's, it's a... a the, the mass career path is... Yeah, I know. One of Timeshare, yeah. medical, concentration camp guard... <laughs> it's all just kind of brought him down. Yeah, it'll make you a cynic. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just nodding his head over there. He's, he's, just, he's not no. even disagreeing. He's like, no. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I am two minds with this because I, I do feel for voice actors, ones that who could potentially have been the next voice of Darth Vader. On the other side of that, I, I remember when uh, Kermit was voiced by someone else and it just didn't sound right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that they've done that, what, four times now? And every time, it's just so jarring. Ugh, it's just it's, crazy. It's close, but it's, yeah. it's in the uncanny valley kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So, so I am of two minds of it. I, I'm, I'm holding both opinions at once. Full cognitive distance over here. It, it's kind of weird because I think um, at that point, you kind of look at it like the, the vocal performance. Right, so you get a, someone other than Hamill doing Joker, and you got to look at, you got to look at what how they're doing it. How 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 does it? Not just does he reproduce his sound or not, because it's so damn iconic. Yeah. Um, and Vader, you know, it's different. I think it's different from a lot of others, right? 
I mean, for me, like the ultimate Lex Luthor is Clancy Brown. Right. And he's yeah. never physically been no. Luthor. But that voice? Yeah. He just, he is. He hits it. Um, but at the same time, like you said, you know, other people will go there and, and do it. But Vader, that's just one of the few that is, uh, do you even touch that? You know, right? I, I I I found it interesting because when uh, when they were doing Book of Boba Fett and and Mark Hamill was on set for some of the performances, and then they had put the stunt stunt double in, and then they did kind of a merging of the two for the um, for the after effects uh, to make him look young again. That they did a lot of scratch uh, recording of his voice on there, so that they had kind of a baseline for what Respeacher mm-hmm. would do with that. Right. So that that in and of itself, I thought was was unique and fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, um, there's, I mean, it's it is a technology in its infancy, so we'll see where it goes. Whether they're going to have to constantly have somebody go do a do a performance uh, the way that the director wants it, and then. Respeacher has to mass match yeah. that rather. Well, that's or, that, or if they're just going to do everything from scratch, they just look at the, you know, the footage and say, okay, well, here's a CG character. This is what it's going to sound like, and yeah. then go to it. I mean, the the other that you mentioned is like Lucas's dream of just finally eliminating the actor. Well, and it's yeah. like, wouldn't it be funny if being an actor in the future is you get you get like ten thousand word monologue or something right and it's just some algorithmically made monologue that when you say this and and it gets recorded an ai can take it and make anything sound like you said it right right and you know that that's eventually the you know when that will happen it with with hamill yes they're combining the visual yes and the voice yes so i think that that kind of that that's kind of uh it it's almost a different take from say vader because right. vader you've you, i mean it's right. his yeah, voice anyone. with prows or yeah. or um, um the suit, well know, hamill they, they took recordings uh for unused footage from return of the jedi uh-huh. because they wanted right. the vocal performance to match what he would have sounded sure. like you know but four, 40 years ago they're also they're also uh recreating the visual because yes. otherwise you you would just go with another actor. Now, I mean, now you're not going to put Mark Hamill's voice right. with uh, you know some twenty something, some thirty something. Uh, well, they kind of did by merging his performance and the 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 performance stunt double, whatever you want to call him, sure. on set. But his face is still right. his. It's still his face that they're slapping right. on, right. which I think is a big a big difference. Because otherwise, why play with the voice? Well, though? and and. As you were talking about with the you know the thousand word speech and then being able to recreate that, at least in this particular instance, both James Earl Jones and Mark Hamill signed off on using those vocal performances for them to use. Right. So that wasn't just them recording it and then going, "Huh, we don't need you anymore." Right. You know, which is we can we can use your 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 vocal performances. Yeah. You know, in perpetuity. And Majel. Yeah. Majel, Majel did a sound yep. library so that they can recreate just about anything. Yep. And she can be the Star Trek computer voice when it isn't Bonnie Gordon. 
Which is interesting because yeah, that's they, iconic computer voice for Star Trek. That yeah, they is. did that. Yeah. Um, they did that with the intention of continuing it, and then they haven't actually used that. But I know that yeah. uh, that Rod Roddenberry, her son, uh, said that it's yeah, it's there. She signed the rights right. to it, and he actually um, is a part owner of that um, mm-hmm. that well, library. I, I so that hope so. Um, so that you know, it's keeping it in the Roddenberry family. Is there is there any way we can uh, use a what what what's the company called? Re Respeacher. Respeacher. Can we use Respeacher so we can just replace Barry? Yeah. Wow. Well, we have enough. Boy, uh, talk about Respeacher. He well, took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> well, we, we certainly have enough of him pontificating. There for we hours go. <laughs> so we can certainly. Uh, we got a library. And Varg. Well, we have it. <laughs> We have a, 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 what, little over a thousand hours worth of, yeah, of audio Boy, you of, just, of all you of just us. Like, we have well over a thousand you, you hours aged. of audio. Well, I, I was Todd to, aged a few years when you forced him to contemplate that. <laughs> he did. Well, if we only did our episodes, it'd be six hundred, but yeah. six hundred plus. But, but we don't. Since we do hour and a half to two hour episodes, I was trying to and give actually, a rough estimate. Those are the finished, right? I mean, you know, raw. Oh geez! Yeah, if you're or, gonna raw dog this or lost episodes, goddamn lightning that? storm. Mm, well, yeah. In <laughs> this kind of conversation, kind of brought something up that I did want to bring up about Midnight Mass, the Netflix series I brought up earlier. Um, for you actors out there, I don't know how many of actors listen to this. Um, there are a lot, a lot of amazing monologues in this show. I haven't seen this many monologues in a show. I, I can't think in a long time where mm. I where it was going on. It's like if I was still acting, I would be transcribing this right now to use for future auditions. I counted easily five to seven monologues that are actor audition worthy. Mm. So uh, the few actors that are out there, check it out for that reason alone. Cool. Author Mary Shelley will be the subject of a feature film biopic being produced by Fullwell 73 and Rose Pictures. They, they did Kill Your Darlings. The film is titled Mary's Monster and follows Shelley as, quote, she struggles to complete her gothic masterpiece, which was published in 1818, unquote. Uh, Farron Blackburn, uh, who did Daredevil and Discovery of Witches, is set to direct the film from a screenplay written by Deborah Backstrom, who wrote Living with Frankenstein. Uh, the brief story description reads, quote, terrified of giving voice to the darkness of her subconscious mind, Mary Shelley locks into a dangerous battle with her own inner monster as she struggles to write her seminal science fiction novel, Frankenstein, unquote. Uh, Shelley has been the subject of several autobiographies as well as film and television productions. The most recent was the 1917 biopic Mary Shelley, in which Ella Fanning played uh, the author, the the movie focused on Shelley's relationship with her husband. Uh, Shelley's believed to, quote, have come up with the novel at age 19 during a stay at Lake Geneva with her husband, Percy uh, Shelley, and the poet, Lord Byron, where the trio kept themselves entertained with ghost stories, unquote. Um, interesting choice for this biopic, because I- I've seen plenty of uh, fictionalized and biopic stories of the night that they came up with the stories and, mm-hmm, she, right. and, and the relationship with Lord Byron and mm. and Shelley and so on. Uh, I've never really seen a take where she's writing the novel and struggling with that mm-hmm. because it was a short story as it, the tale so tells. Uh, and then she expanded that into the novel later on. Right. 
so I, I've never seen that. And she that it was done subject. in a weekend, wasn't it? It was like over a weekend or something, something like that. that yeah, that you know, come I'm, up with your scary story. I mean, I love it or hate it. Frankenstein is the birth of two genres. Yeah, it, it birthed sci-fi and horror in one fell swoop. So, I, so I they will always retell this story for the rest of our lives and the rest of your lives and your children's lives yeah. and your grandchildren's lives. Well, it's also because Disney didn't get their hands on it to put it in perpetual non-public Damn. domain. Damn right. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating take on like, who's the real monster in the whole thing? Yeah. You know, you to take your pick because is it the, is it the, the crowd of citizens that are going against the monster? Is it yeah. the monster itself? Is it Frankenstein? Frankenstein? Yeah. Yeah. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. That was for you, Todd. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very layered story for sure. Nog Studio has a Kickstarter running for a new virtual tabletop called Mentor. That's M-E-N-Y-R. They want to develop a 3D tabletop with AAA graphics for absolutely free. Uh, Menier is pr- planned to have a ton of features like the ability to quickly procedurally generate a world, dungeon, etc. So you don't have to plan every detail. And then you can go in and tweak it as you see fit as a DM. You can import your own 2D and 3D models for use. The current plan is to pay for Menier through purchasable cosmetics like dice and special effects as well as taking a cut from sales from their community marketplace where creators can sell or giveaway characters maps scenarios music and more uh this is a little bit from their pitch menu is a storytelling engine designed to allow players to create worlds in seconds and play directly in the virtual tabletop with your friends great for playing tabletop role-playing games you'll be able to change the mood of your scenes in real time adventure and fight into your worlds with triple a graphics you can choose to play entirely online or cast menu from your screen during an in-person session from generating procedural dungeons to changing biomes on the fly, rolling dice, and accessing your character sheet. There is everything you need to play your favorite role-playing game with Menier, unquote. Uh, if you back the Kickstarter, you get some goodies. Even though this is planned to be free, you get access to the closed beta set to take place in quarter one of 2023. Exclusive dice, exclusive character bases, and more. Uh, Menier is currently planned to release in full in Q4 2023. Um, I had a chance to uh, look at their their trailer for their Kickstarter pitch for this. It's really interesting. Um, uh, and I'm really curious to get your guys' opinions on it when you see it, especially uh, UK being a DM and, and Barry. Uh, it has a very tabletop-centricness to it. It is you're moving miniatures. Uh, but the miniatures are animated, and it looks like you can also kind of take away that miniatureness from it as well, and just plain make it look like something like Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even though it's still the visual base of D and D, I wonder if you lose some of the D and Dness with it. Is no. my is my, no, my question? You've okay, so you've seen it. I have seen it. You've seen that, and you've seen the the one D and D trailer right i'm not sure i have seen that one what the one dnd trailer full I, I i listened to the pitch i think it was painting while i was listening because they they actually gave some imagery of uh, their vtt which is uh, driven by the unreal engine okay so i'm wondering i'm wondering uh where where they're similar and where they're different and and what that'll mean 
because whatever Minier, Minier, whatever Minier is doing, I'm, you know, Hasbro <clears throat> is behind this VTT sure. that they're going to be doing for their thing. So, but but, uh, but this the one for Hasbro is not going to be free. So I yeah, think, I think they're kind that's of, a big one. Yeah. So I mean, that's and, probably it, the huge thing about it, right? It does sound very ambitious. Sure. Um, and it looks great. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It's If I was going to play a visual one, this is one of the best ones I've seen. Uh, not that I've seen a whole lot of them, but uh, I, I think they have something here. Well, it, you know what? It's uh, it, They're getting really, really close to, to something because uh, this weekend I heard about Amazon Glow. Amazon Glow. Yeah, which is really, really interesting. Tell me all about that. <clears throat> well, it's it's in kind of a soft release now. Okay. You can you can Google it, and yeah. you would find uh, some information on it. Uh, but it's like an interactive projection, and so you can you can you're online with somebody, a la FaceTiming it, but there's a projection on the table in front of you or pad in front of you where you guys play a board game or you guys have an interaction and like you can move things on it and stuff by touch and literally i heard one of the more popular things right now as they're they're doing their it's it's beyond beta is chess it's literally a chess game and you sit there and you make the move on your side and the person on the other end, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 miles away, that movement occurs on their board that's projected in front of them. Hmm. It sounds kind of... Jeff, you remember this. When the PlayStation 3 came out, they had a kind of a board game with their yeah. camera that I remember Paul and I played it yep. a few times, and it was kind of a chess-ish kind of game where yeah. you move the pieces, the camera caught yeah, it and moved it on the screen. Yeah, it was right. a reality thing, but uh, this one, of course, takes on the next step of like a holographic projection kind of thing. But kind of, I don't think it's a 3D projection, but that I think that that's just a matter of time. Yeah. But I think the real utility in this is that it's not a specific game. It's, it's the platform that you can have different games developed and made for. And uh, when I heard about this, when I was learning about Amazon Glow, the first thing I thought was, okay, this is a step up on, like, online D&D. Because now we can sit there and project the, the game board, the map, with all its minis in, in five different households. And when people reach in and move their mini, it moves on that map in all those households. And, you know, you roll your dice, you can actually, like, you know, uh, physically do a gesture and dice will roll and that can actually make that happen for you, Mm. which I think it seems like that's a next step and it's not all that, it's not terribly far off. Sounds promising. It'll be very interesting when they, when they actually get there. But I was very fascinated with what I heard for glow. And this just sounds like, I mean, it's not the same thing, but um, it sounds like another step in that direction. And you're right. The free thing is the big thing. That and the fact that this is not D&D focused, so it's just you do your thing and make it happen. Right. You can put in the sex rules for the apocalypse. <laughs> Get your sex moves. Yeah, well, it sounds, it sounds kind of Minecrafty, 
in terms of making your own world and stuff like that, would you say? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. Procedural generation, I, don't, I assume you have more control over it. Of course, Minecraft, I, I'd say it's more like a designing something in an Unreal Engine kind of thing with, uh, with mm-hmm. assets mm-hmm. versus you know, Minecraft and its blockiness. But. Well, 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 but the blockiness aside, right. I'm, I'm thinking of the, the creator, the, the user-creator involvement. Sure, that's what that's what I'm reading. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I don't know if I'm right. Did or you not. mention, and I just missed it, how far along they are on the Kickstarter? Uh, as far the how far they are, no, but I know their betas take a place in first quarter 2023. So well, are, are they close to being funded fully? Uh, or? I couldn't tell you. Well, okay. I don't know. Maybe right. maybe they'll do the infinite beta right? business yeah. model Star and uh, yeah, that, that that you know that'll if that keeps it free, <laughs> infinite beta. The Cloverfield, <laughs> Cloverfield. Uh, it's an hour and thirty. Haley Cloverfield. Now that I have one of the best of her generation, folks. Very true. The Cloverfield film anthology's fourth chapter, which we heard about last summer, is now in active development at Paramount Pictures. Currently without a title, the movie will be directed by Wounds director Babak Anvari, who is set to work off a screenplay from Joe Barton, who wrote The Ritual, a very good horror film. J.J. Uh, Abrams will serve as producer alongside Hannah Minghella and John Cohen, Brian Burke, uh, Matt Reeves, director of the original film, and Drew Goddard, screenwriter of the original, are on board as executive producers. Uh, Barton and Reeves were previously developing a Gotham Police Department spinoff of The Batman at HBO Max until the series was put on hold earlier this year. Uh, <laughs> see earlier comments. Uh, <sighs> there are no plot details on Cloverfield 4 at this time. It's... Unclear if the next chapter will follow in the footsteps of its 2018 predecessor, the Cloverfield Paradox, whose ending set up the direct connection to the found footage creature featured uh, that kicked off the franchise in 2008. Uh, While not well-received by critics and general audiences, Paradox gained notoriety for a release, uh, unique release strategy. It was uh, the first announced during the Super Bowl, uh, whatever else, L2 is before hitting 52 uh, 52 52. before Netflix immediately after the big game that was kind of a that was yeah I remember watching that and going what it's available right now right that was a big surprise Uh, the previous entry 2016's 10 Cloverfield Lane uh, told a completely unrelated story about a group of people hiding in a doomsday shelter and kept the viewer guessing as to whether the world had actually ended Uh, Paramount has yet to announce a release date for the new film uh, the first two Cloverfield titles have grossed over $279 million worldwide. Uh, the reason why we don't include the third one is because it was Netflix. Mm. So I have not seen Cloverfield Paradox yet. Uh, really? I've, I've been uh, kind of chased off it's, by everyone's review of it that I've seen. I've seen it. It's not a good... Uh, I don't know. Let me know when you watch it. Okay. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just... Um, it doesn't feel to me. It didn't feel like it tied in to the the Cloverfield universe until literally right at the very end. Okay, because so I really like Cloverfield, right? Um, and I love Ten Cloverfield. Lane. Oh yeah, well, that I was mean, a phenomenal movie. Whether even if you see it separate from any, you don't have to see Cloverfield yeah, no. to enjoy that movie. It's a standalone thing. It truly is, uh, but so good. Um, so I, I honestly, I really should see the third one. But I'm excited about the fourth one for that reason alone. Because <laughs> Cloverfield, uh, at least the first two, feel more like Twilight Zone episodes. I mean, the first one's found mm, footage, mm, monster yeah. attack thing. It's its own thing. But 10 Cloverfield Lane definitely has that 
Twilight Zone feel to it. Uh, can't say that. Don't know about Paradox. Does Paradox have that Twilight Zone feel too? Outer yeah. limits. <laughs> yeah, more, more, more outer, outer limits. limits. Yeah. 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 All right. That's funny. So if you like the Cloverfield universe, more is coming. If you don't, oh well, give it a pass. Uh, Marvel's Avenger Campus at Disney California Adventure at the Disneyland Resort is getting a new Avengers attraction that will take guests on a ride through the multiverse. The new attraction was revealed during the A Boundless Future Disney Parks Experiences and Products panel at the D23 Expo in 2022. Uh, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige revealed that Feige. The- that's what I said. Revealed that the ride will let recruits join the fight to stop a new threat, King Thanos, a multiverse variant that was designed specifically for this attraction and the Avengers Campus. This will be the third attraction to join Avengers Campus alongside Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Jeff, you need to go on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. No. God damn it, Jeff. It's not that bad of a drop tower. It's worth it just for all of the... You know, I got enough of that from Darren the last time we were there. He's like, come on, just go on it with me. Just go on it. I'm like, no, I don't want to. For the story alone, a Guardians of the Galaxy story, you're going to love it. I've watched all the YouTube videos. I've seen the walkthrough. I watched that video presentation uh, from D23 about the ride. It's so vague. It is. No one knows what this is. I mean... Because there was a Quinjet ride that was originally supposed to be uh, built into the... Well, the show building already exists. Um, it's It looks like the Avengers uh, um, uh, training facility for, that you see in the movies. And there are performances... There is a Quinjet that sits on top, and then uh, all the actors do the stunt performances in and around and on top of this building. But uh, they have since essentially canceled that Quinjet ride, and this new ride is supposedly going to be built in that building. But there's no decent. Is it a motion ride? Is it a trackless ride? Like, I mean, the speculation it's going to be similar to uh, Rise of the Resistance in the okay. way that it's produced. But I hope so. I hope so. My fear. There's just no details. My fear is it's going to be one of those interactive light game rides. Yes. Oh, please not. Yeah. That's so. I'm. I'm. I'm crossing my fingers. I don't think it will be just because that's what Spider-Man Web Slingers is. Okay. Um. You know, you just don't have the gun. It physically tracks your your sure. hand, so you're you're swinging the you're slinging the webs rather while you're wearing your 3D glasses, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty. It's pretty good considering what it is, but it's also a very short ride. And and I and I gotta say, I don't like them. I don't mind the gun the gun ones where it interacts like those uh, shooting arcade ones where the you shoot the target and the animatronic moves or the can jumps up or whatever. I don't mind when they're like that, like you shoot the target well, you and a physical animatronic does something. There's a few, few rides like that out there, Sally. Corporation makes rides like that. Well, you don't like rides that have projection anything. You, just, you you like the physical... I don't want to ride past TV screens. That's what it comes down to. Right. I I, I realize the Rise of Resistance has it, but they incorporate it interestingly Right. Uh, as far as screens go. But when you're talking about the Toy Story ride at California Adventure, mm-hmm. oh, I am not a fan. Yeah. Uh, if I, I if I wanted to play gun video games on a screen, I can do that at home. Yeah. And if, and if you... You can. And if I fart really hard, I can get the rumble. So, 
Don't fart too hard. <laughs> it's, and, and it's a workout too. Web slinger, you're you're like yeah, you, you're shit. literally like. Oh. It's hard to. It's a it's an audio show, but you can't see it. But you, yeah, you're literally having to repeatedly do the hand motion that you see in Spider-Man where he's, oh, wow. you know. So you yes. can't just sit there. It doesn't do anything. It's literally, you literally have to physically, I mean, I I was tired after the last time I did it. I did get the high score in our pod. I didn't win. There it is. There it is. We're waiting for it. Yeah, well, the first time I did it, I got the lowest score in our pod. So I was out to, uh, I was out to avenge myself. But Brainiac um, recalibrated. <laughs> I did not get the highest oh, score in, in the entire facility for that particular ride through because there's multiple pods that go through, but in our particular pod, I did get the highest score. And it's only because I knew what to look for having gone through it the first time. Sure. So there's certain things that give you more points. Yeah, well, just like Buzz Lightyear. You yeah, go through that exactly. one, you know where the targets are. and So I'm not, I'm not ta- touting my targeting prowess. It's just a matter of I knew what like to you express. Are. I, I, I knew what to, you know... <laughs> Having been through it before, I knew what to look for. Uh, but, I mean, I, I get the appeal of the rides. I, I, I realize they're not for me. They're for little kids. Video game generation, I get it. That's in, They're just not for me. I really don't want this one to be that again. It, it's funny. They put all, these, all this money into these rides when just to please you, Todd, they just need a 30-story tower and they throw you off. That's it. There you go. That's all I need. Well, That's but, all I need. But, and have animatronics waving at me on the way down. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need. Not projection. Not Just, projection. If it's projection, he's going to go down being like, this is the most disappointing <laughs> ride at... I've had well, better falls than okay. this. Okay, so he, want, he wants like kiss, kiss mini golf animatronic. As like. long as it's something, sure, <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Over well, that. you want me to go on Mission Breakout, and that's projection. It's literally every floor is video presentation of the Guardians. It's like you go up one floor and yeah. it's that, and then you go down. Wow, I just, Todd. Wow, it's, that's not the reason I'm asking you to do it. I just want to see you on a drop tower. Ah, uh, no thanks. <laughs> that's all it is. I don't care what it is, man, dude. They did no, they did backdraft. They need to do a, a a a towering inferno drop tower. <laughs> that really set it on fire. Yeah. Yes. And and yeah. just just have a giant skyscraper thing, and that would play into the seventies nostalgia kick. There'd be tons of boomers that would go on that ride. Get in the scenic elevator that breaks off from the building and just kind of swings on its own. And it's right next to the Poseidon Adventure swinging ship. Yeah. <laughs> and the and the earthquake, yes. half the building fell. <laughs> and and they got to lower people. Oh, yeah. You could. Oh, my God. You do a walkthrough mm-hmm. where it's part. It's like the whole story. And at one point. You got to put people in a chair, and everyone has to use a fire hose to lower them down to the next level. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. That'd be great. Nobody remembers those films but us, Kirsten. I know, but this will <laughs> recreate some interest. Think of the DVD sales. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen footage of that Ant-Man ride they have? Is it Tokyo Disneyland? I think so, oh, yeah. wow. No, I haven't. Yeah, they have an Ant-Man ride, and it is a light gun ride. It is the most boring thing to watch. Well, it's I've a reskin. Seen. It's it's reskin from the Buzz Lightyear one, if I remember correctly. I wouldn't be surprised, but... At least Buzz Lightyear is colorful and interesting. This is dull and boring from beginning to end. Yeah. At least the YouTube footage is. I haven't been oh, I, I watched the YouTube footage too. Footage too. Yeah, it but, is. It is very. 
I, it was jaw-dropping to say, Imagineers made this. Imagineers, I set the bar so high for what they do. I, I respect Imagineers more than most people on the planet. It's I'm, I'm that stupid Disney file ride. But damn, I, I, that really made me just go, I cannot believe this is, a, this is a Disney joint. Everything is just gray and ugly. Your Tower Inferno, during Christmas time, they could do the Hakatomi building. Oh, yeah. Guys just yeah, shooting. Yeah, yeah. And Hong Kong Disneyland, sorry. Yeah, okay. It's oh. not Tokyo, it's okay. Hong Kong Disney. Yeah, and I can see what you're saying there. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do that. Right. Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. that, and then you do the, uh, the the drop tower part of it when it shows I have a I now have a machine gun ho 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 drop. Yes. Yeah. 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 And 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 the like on Splash Mountain, they could have the camera where you're falling like Alan Rickman. Oh yes. And you're There's making the drop. The yes. That's you drop. the drop. That's yes. the drop. Yes. Yeah. Jeff, you need to go on the Nakatomi ride. <laughs> That's that'd be funny. This is the drop tower. Everybody lie down on the floor on your back. <laughs> stare at the camera and here we go. And, Did you see and, oh, yeah. and you get a video of it when you're all We're going to count to 5. 5 4 <laughs> Yes. Okay, so I was going to say, you have seen the video footage of him talking about yes, that, the interview yes. with him. Oh, my God. <laughs> the look on his face is, ah. Oh. They, well, they nailed it for a reason. Yeah. yeah. I, for the, forever, I didn't know that that was the story behind it. He, oh, my God. Guys. I just I love the way he tells it. He's like, and so the director tells me, he's like, oh, we're going to do this on the count of three. One. Ah, so the reaction you'll see on my face is my actual reaction. I love it. It's, it's, <laughs> for those that haven't put it together, we're talking about the original Die Hard. Yes. yes. And Alan Rickman. Yes. The Alan Rickman drop was uh, not exactly what they told him it would be. So that was awesome. Because they, didn't they like rehearse it? And he's like, okay, it's not that bad. Yeah. But he's also terrified of heights. Yeah. So. They <laughs> said he's like hanging, having hanging from the rafters of a soundstage, and just let him go. Mm-hmm. Now we mm-hmm. should we should create some some of the worst animatronic dark rides based on properties that shouldn't be dark rides. Yeah. Oh no, that'd be fantastic. Like the Kramer versus Kramer dark ride. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, dude. We used to joke at Star Trek. It's like we need to expand and we need to do. Fight Club, the ride. <laughs> that could be fun, yeah. though. That could, you could do a lot of things with that. Seven, the ride. That could really be fun and disturbing. I can get yeah. behind that. I think, I think, geek, I, I just, damn. Sign. Geek Shock, we have so many great ideas. We, we just need money. Exactly. Seinfeld, the ride. Yeah. <laughs> that, could, that could possibly, I could see that working. I'm, think, I'm thinking, let's go a little heavier. Let's go on Golden Pond, the dark oh, ride. Oh, no. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Oh, and 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 Matt has Silk already mentioned that you need to do holiday, you know, your holiday convert. Oh, sure, so, sure. So we need the "It's a Wonderful Life." That could work. Ride and, that could work. Yeah, you know. stir crazy the dark ride. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go through the prison. You got to go through the rodeo. And, you have and, a bucking bronco and thing to ride for a while. After ten p.m., we can convert that to the only adults American me. Oh, geez. the dark ride. Oh God. <laughs> 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 of course, don't worry, uh, Mexican Mafia La M A. It, it will will it'll be like uh, the uh, L F A, and it it just you know um, they'll be like uh, Spaniards. They're Spaniards. They're not Mexican. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a Spaniard not mafia. Making it any better? Yeah, not Kristen. at all. Not even close. What? No, <laughs> you don't think Mexican mafia will go for that? Barbarella, the dark ride. Oh, no, there you go. Hell, this yeah. is actually a fun there idea. That go. is a fun idea. Sleeper, the dark ride. Oh my! Yeah, the Orgasmatron. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> What's your math most? Write to us. Comments at geekshock.com. And we want to thank our our Kofi members. We're going to do our tier one members. We're going to give honor today to Sir Chomps, Highland Scoop, Chad Wilson, Ambivalent Hoax, Richard Bruin, Scoopatron, Mandy, Sour Maddie D, Jacob Flora, Multiverse Tonight, Scully, Mr. Dumbleday, Froyog, Soft Serve, Gil, and I also want to thank our tier four members, King Vol, Deb T, David Farrar, Atomic Gumby, and our beautiful tier five members, Leon Mitt, Jeff Harris, Jake Godbold, Ozzy Matt, Bad Martron, and Glumly, and of course, once again, King Vald with an extra one-off. Yeah. And if you want to support us, go to ko-fi.com slash geekshock and see all the wonderful tiers. Next week, we'll be giving away, I, I should have it finished by next week, the uh, miniature ISS Enterprise <sighs> from Attack Wing. That give will be the away, next giveaway. Give it away. Give it away and uh, then afterwards, I'll reveal what the October oh, miniature will October. be, which I'm very excited about. And... Also, a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. You can mm. find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And our red light, green light theme writer is Justin Nozek, a.k.a. Froyog Soft Serve. You can find his music at theplaguephysicians.bandcamp.com. And, of course, to you, dear listener. Mm. Thank you so much. Until mm. next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. Clockwork Orange, the Ooh, dark ride. ride. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, that's uh, although uh, gigantic ceramic penis in your face. Yeah, like, that that's wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a disturbing room. There you yeah, go. Well, they, well you yeah, know, but oh. you 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 you're pretty disturbed. But then you go through the Pulp Fiction dark ride, and you're like, oh. okay, no, that was disturbing. No, no, that was disturbing. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Free free shot of adrenaline to the heart with each, each ride. <laughs> Zed's dead. Zed's dead. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the Republic of Lewis National Anthem. It's brought to you by the Oh My God, They're Going to Nuke Us National Singers. Gentlemen. What did I do? I haven't got to play yet What the hell did I do? I'm just trying to survive I'm just trying to be nice I didn't do anything Isn't it great making change Out of millions of people I didn't do anything to her, she's just me, no one likes my country, now it's three on one, just spin and kill me, so one of these two can win, it'll be over soon, I am dead.